You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Welcome to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE and ECW wrestler, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge, all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm Josh Chernoff, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's up, man? Doing good, man. Uh, a couple weeks since the uh, apocalypse, and uh, I'm hanging out with... Uh... Mrs. Meanie at Casa de Meanie, and uh, we're, uh, we're, we're hanging tough, but we're hanging. <laughs> as long as you're hanging. Hey, right off the bat, uh, I want to talk about the, the feedback we got from episode one. We're here, episode two. Thank you so much for joining us. Meanie, what was some of the feedback that, that you got from fans? Uh, we got a lot of good feedback, man. Uh, you know, uh, and from a wide spectrum of people. Uh, you know, and uh, it, was, it was very cool. Uh, you know, a lot of people said, you know, the, it was a good conversation. Uh, said the conversation flowed nicely. And that's, you know, the goal of uh, what we want to do. We want to have a, a really good conversation and uh, be entertaining, uh, be funny, be informative in some parts. You know, we'll talk about WWE, ECW, all that good stuff. But most importantly, just uh, have a good conversation and be a good companion piece for those who, uh, you know, need need something to listen to. You know, whether you're traveling or driving in the car, walking down the street. You know, we want to be that. You know, hang, we want to be that hangout spot where you can sit around, listen to a couple guys talk about everything and anything. You know? Definitely. And some one of the things I saw uh, you shared with everybody on social media was uh, someone who reached out wishing you the best of luck with this was jbl which i thought was super cool yeah man that's 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 the the thing is like me and john are really cool uh you know we had our issues uh you know it's well documented it's been talked about to death but the 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 thing is a lot of people don't realize is that you know me and john actually you know made made peace with each other like right before we had our match on smackdown you know Mm -hmm. uh, me and john went into a room and uh he said, you know, hey, we can either uh, talk about this or we can fight. I was like, well, obviously, I don't want to fight with you. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we walked into the room. I was like, man, if there's plastic on the floor, I am running. <laughs> uh, and I don't run. So, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, we talked it out. We hashed it out. I said, hey, you did this. And he said this and that. And uh, me and JBL are cool, man. And it's just the rest of the world that needs to catch up to it and uh, realize that two grown men can have a disagreement and then get together and become friends and he's been a a big help to me he uh you know when the last not the last royal rumble but the rumble before that was in philly he almost got me into the royal rumble as a uh you know ecw surprise and stuff like that and he's done a lot of stuff to help me so uh, for john to uh retweet my tweet and say uh, listen to this you know listen to this podcast means means a lot to me so uh 
I mean, how cool is that? You know, oh, yeah. And that's I mean, and not to, you know, minimize, obviously, so many people retweeted, uh, which, you know, I know you appreciate and I appreciate. But for him to also take that extra you know, time to actually write a message to you, I just thought was really cool um, and nice to see, because I know every, I know maybe we're not launching this uh, this episode off with the the dirt that everybody wants to hear about how deeply you guys hate each other. And if you ever see them in person, you know, um, yeah. but I, I, to me, I think that's just great that, like you said, two adults that were able to just have a disagreement and, uh, and make up. I do have one question though, that I feel like a lot of people have talked about with it uh, in that match that you guys had uh, people still to this day will play that video of Stevie Richards uh, delivering that chair shot to JBL yeah. was, yeah. was there, was that a receipt on your behalf? Was that, uh, just, Hey, he just hit him with a chair shot and it looked, it looked and sounded great. Like what was the, was there any heat on anybody for that? Well, here's, yeah. The, I mean, the, the Stevie chair shot was brutal on JBL yeah. and, uh, and it, it, to, to be honest, uh, not to, uh, you know, you know, go too far behind the curve, but it was, it was a complete accident, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Well, well, I shouldn't say not to go by the <laughs> current. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm here talking about the business, right? So right, that, yeah. that was, I, I mean, he did a stupid on that one, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the chair shot was like, it was a, it was a complete accident and, uh, JBL couldn't have been, uh, nicer about it and kinder about it. He's like, you know what? It happens. You know, the potato, you know, it was a potato. Potatoes happen. Yeah. And, uh, he's, I think he actually, he's, he's uh, dished out a couple of those in his day. Oh, well, you know, it happens. Yeah. So uh, uh, he he actually pulled us aside. He's like, hey, man, I know he didn't mean it was an accident, but he knew we were always on social media. And he was like, what? go on social media and say that was the receipt. And I was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, if, yeah, if you're giving me permission, I'll, I'll run with it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was like, you know, it, it shit happens. And uh and it made everything look, uh, you know, even, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of blood that matches, even though it's not the politically right thing to do. You know, the crimson mask is to me, it's like a beautiful thing in, in wrestling, whether it's on a magazine cover or, you know, if a van does like an album cover with a wrestler, you know, there's like a lot of punk bands do uh, wrestling album covers and somebody's busted wide open. And stuff well, all like the that. magazines back, back in the day, the magazines were like nine times out of ten, you had Crimson Mask on the cover. Dude, I went to Catholic school, and I got called. I got called out by one of the nuns because I brought <laughs> in the uh, PWI with a bloody Jimmy Snook on the on the cover. She's like, I never want to see this in the school again. And uh, told me to stop watching wrestling. So I was like, Yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And that's but, uh, why, and that's why to this day you have mad heat with Bill Apter. Yeah, yeah, Bill Apter <laughs> got me, got me heat with the nuns, man. You know, yep. that's, that's why I, re- I rebelled. I started wearing half shirts, Daisy Dukes. I dyed my hair blue and yep. stuff like that. You know, it's it's something I talked to him over uh, over a dish of ice cream. You know. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of the uh, Crimson Mask and your career, you recently over on Instagram at Blue Meanie BWO shared uh some flashback friday uh pictures from ecw i believe it was i'm looking now may 16th 1998 after being jumped yeah. by uh the full-blooded italians 
Tracy Smothers, little Guido, Tommy Rich. And I, I, you know, was a big fan, but I don't know that I ever remembered you being this covered in blood. So if we have any fans who are listening to this and going, you know, what'll make my day seeing the blue meanie busted wide <laughs> open. Uh, go check out his Instagram account at blue meanie I'm sure there's some fans who enjoy it and some detractors who wish they did it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a story like, like I said, I love blood and wrestling, you know, but no, I understand you can't have it that much today, but, uh, the story behind me bleeding, you know, in ECW was, uh, me and Nova were wrestling Tracy Smothers and little Guido every night, you know, with Tommy Rich in the corner, of course. And, uh, I was like, man, I want to kind of keep this feud going. What could we do? I mean, instead of just having matches to have it become a little bit more personal, so there was a, a show in Buffalo. And after the show, I, I talked to Tommy. I was like, Hey man, what if we go to have a match with, you know, the FBI and they just jump us from, you know, from, from the, po- from, you know, as we're getting into the ring, lay us out with chairs, lay us out with the flagpole and I'll get a little bit of color, color. And, you know, I didn't offer up Nova, you know, if Nova wanted to get a little bit of color, he could too. It, uh, that was his call. So I, I was like, you know, I'll get color and, uh, you know, it'll give us a reason have another match or another series of matches i was trying to keep the uh, feud alive it's, you know what you know that's uh that's very you know kind of my character was a comedy character mm-hmm. everybody else you know the uh the, the light-hearted part of the show so yeah, tommy you know brought me to paul and i i gave the same pitch to paul and paul he's like well sir thank you very much that's a very good idea and uh um uh, the next time we were at the arena, they, they went with it. And uh, I had really bled in a match or on a show. Yeah, I was going to ask and, you uh, if that is this the first I, time you'd gotten color. Uh, uh, well, that wasn't the first time I, was, I, I got color. Uh, one time as a goof, uh, we were when I was training with Al. Me and Al were talking about blood and stuff like that. And he told me how it was done and all that stuff. And uh, we had a, a student there named uh, Rick Matrix, and he, him and now are talking in the office. And I went and grabbed something. I threw something against the wall. I took like a uh, a shitty bump on the floor. And they walked in, and I had blade, and I acted like I slipped and fell and hit my <laughs> head on the, the heater. And like <laughs> Al, Al walks in, and Al looks at me, and he has to turn his head because he know he knows what the fuck I'm doing. He 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 he, he looked at me, and went, and like had to turn away. And Rick's like, oh, oh my! And Rick Major's like, oh my god, oh my god, you're bleeding. He's coming in, checking on me. And Al's like, oh yeah, man, you're bleeding. You okay? Awesome. And then Rick turned around to run into the office nine one one, and we're like, no, 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 no it's a rib, it's a rib, it's a rib. No need to uh, call the cops. Uh, April Fools or whatever you know was you know so. Technically, oh, that was the first time I got, as a goof, that was the first time I got color. But this time, in a, in a professional setting, <laughs> on an actual show, I had never gotten color. So the best person to talk to was uh, Tommy Rich. I went, hey, uh, 
I mean, Tommy was fucking, he was the uh, Vinci of getting color back in the day, you know, bleeding. So I was like, hey, I went, Tommy, uh, uh, I'm getting color for you tonight. Can you help me, you know, with a blade? He's like, all right, meanie, here's what we do. And, like, he pulled me aside, he got the blade, and he showed me how it was done. He's like, now you can put it in your tights, you can put it in your mouth. Or you could put it on your thumb. And I was like, you know what? I'll just, uh, I think I'll put it on my wrist. And I was like, oh, okay. And he made me like this fucking Pirates of the Caribbean sword. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it, was, it was good enough. I put it on my thumb. And um, so we go to do the spot. And they just lay me and Nova out. They're beating us up. They're, they took a chair shot. I go down. They hit me with the flag. So they gave me, you know, they, they hit me with the chair to give me time to roll over, uh, do the business of you know, getting the collar. So as I'm getting the collar, a uh, little, somebody took a bump and when they took the bump, it hit my elbow and my elbow took the, the oh. gig and I got, I, I, I got a little, uh, bonus content on the, uh, the blade job there. Well, that explains so the picture. Up, it, yeah. When I came up, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was weird. Like, who's never done that before. It's like, you know, everything looks like a, it looks like you're looking through a kaleidoscope kind of thing. Jeez. So we did that, and, and we go to that, and I'll never forget, Sabu pulled me aside. goes, that was too much. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Sabu's telling me I got too much color. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I, maybe I did go a little bit too far, but, you know. <laughs> I have a I have a relationship with Sabu where I could just talk to him and say, you know, respectfully, you know, uh, just you know, say, hey, this is what happened. It was accidental with the bump and the elbow, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, okay, but still, that was too much, you know, because <laughs> you know, how do you how do you follow that, you know? Yeah, right. So, um, so then Sabu uh, went out and set himself on fire, and that was. Yeah. Uh, I'll shoot you, uh, you know, just, uh, so, uh, Sabu, uh, on that, that, that one time, I, uh, Terry Gordy hard me, hard weighed me. Let me start you know, first day with the new mouth. Terry <laughs> Gordy once, once hard weighed me with a steel trash can in the back of the head. And, uh, the, you know, we always had a doctor. We always had mics there and they're looking at here and need stitches. Sabu comes over and looks at us. Eh, you can use stitches, or I can crazy glue you. I went, well, I mean, if you, how how do you turn down an offer for Sabu crazy glue a wound shut? <laughs> you know, so I was like, Sabu, you crazy glue that wound, and uh, came over and you know did the whole deal. I mean, and the whole the crazy glue and wound shuts came from, you know, Sabu being a history buff reading about like World War II, you know, he did it and, you know, it worked like a charm. So, uh, you know, getting back to the, the history of that, that, that color job, you know, the, the crimson mask. Yeah. I, I had to get like about six stitches and we took a bunch of photos of, you know, and, and played it up and, you know, that helped, you know, me and Nova have a, you know, another series of matches with the uh, FBI because working yeah. with Tracy Smothers and uh, Little Guido and Tommy Rich was so much fun and so much of a, a learning experience. 
And you know what? That's actually a great time to – you had posted something else uh, that I thought we could take this opportunity to kind of share with people. Uh, Tracy Smothers' Cancer Benefit GoFundMe page that uh, Chris yep. Hero, Cassius Ono in NXT, set up. And you shared that. And uh, if, is there anything that you want to share about that? Well, obviously, we'll put that out on social media if we haven't already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that I love – and adore Tracy Smothers, not only as a wrestler, but as a human being. Uh, I met, I first met Tracy Smothers uh, my first year in the business. I was wrestling every Thursday in Indianapolis, Indiana, for a promotion called Circle City Wrestling for Mike Samples. Uh, Mike Samples used to work in Memphis and stuff like that, so he would bring in Tracy Smothers, he'd bring in Ricky Morton, and you know, uh, Tracy Smothers, Ricky Morton would watch our matches, and they would pull aside and give us you know tips and all that stuff so when tracy came to uh ecw we we hit it off immediately and throughout you know my ecw career tracy smothers would take all the young guys into the ring they kind of run like a mini dojo where we mm-hmm. do calisthenics uh, he would teach us spots teach us everything so myself nova and a bunch you know the house of hardcore students from danny doring roadkill chris chetty we all owe you know a, a debt of gratitude to tracy smothers for for ta- you know being selfless and just teaching us everything he knew so uh you know now tracy's in a predicament where he, he's battling cancer and it would be nice if the wrestling business gave back to the man who gave so much to the wrestling business i mean uh, i love tracy to death and I want him to, you know, beat this thing and be around with us a lot longer. So if you can go to GoFundMe, uh, we'll post it on the social media. Uh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter if it's a dollar. I mean, like, look, we're in the middle of this coronavirus thing. I know a lot of people aren't working. And times are tough. But if you can't even, you know, anything as small as a dollar, and if you can't donate, you know, anything from a dollar, please share the tweet to, you know, for somebody else who might be able to help. Anything That's a great point. Is, anything's appreciated. And we appreciate anything you could do for Tracy because uh, Tracy's given so much to the wrestling business. Yeah. And it you looks know? like already, as of this recording, we're about six tenths of the way to the goal, which is pretty great because I think this was created. Um, a day ago as we're recording this now. So that's, that's, that says a lot about him and a lot about his fans. And uh, so we, yeah, we encourage you. We'll put that on social media, but this is, we're talking about this and it's just a, you know, I had seen your post and it occurred to me, how could we not bring this up? And uh, you know, like you said, I'm, a dollar or at least share it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you did bring it up. I was going to probably bring it up anyway, because I love Tracy so much, you know, uh, but you know, He's, 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 Tracy Smothers has left such an impression on everybody who works with him that we do little Tracyisms, Tracy Smotherisms, where yeah. it's either like either Tracy Smothers dancing or his catchphrases. <laughs> like me, me and Tracy Smothers would be driving down the road and he'd point to like a field of cows. Manny, there's your family, man. Why do I hate you? You know, he would have all these little. <laughs> yeah, Tracy walk in the room and go hey man why do i hate you you know yeah you just have like all these little things he would say to catch you off guard and make you laugh and make you fall in love with them all at the same time you know and just meanie 
if ECW ran a seven day schedule, they need 20 funerals or something like that. You know, it'd just be like something crazy, but he would always have some kind of funny little saying, but and a lot of times there'd be a lot of wisdom in those sayings too. But yeah, if anybody could help out Tracy, man, that, that man needs, a, he's given so much to the wrestling business. Uh, it's time to, you know, it would be nice if the wrestling business gave back. So. Absolutely. Um, hey, Shifting gears from that, but staying on the topic of ECW and lots and lots and lots of blood, um, Dark Side of the Ring. That was the only thing I had on my sheet for us to talk about last week. Yeah. And had such a good time and went so off the rails, which was a lot of fun to do, that we never got there. But now I think it's it, it was a good thing that we didn't get there because as we're recording this um, – and as you're listening to this, if you listen to it on Monday, remember Mind of the Meanie drops Monday, 6 a.m., wherever you find your podcast. But uh, we just watched the New Jack episode. And, of course, yeah. prior to that was the the two-hour premiere, which uh, talked about Chris Benoit and the tragedy um, with him. And, and uh, yeah, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it and just get your get some feedback. And you uh, there was a thank you in the New Jack episode to yeah. – to you um so yeah uh first of all let's get, let's get into that where what was that thank you all about um uh, like i said i'm a huge well i don't know if i've said it here but i've said it in life i'm a huge fan of documentaries mm-hmm. uh, i could watch it pretty much a documentary on anything and uh, uh come away with something uh around the first time of the uh the first uh star cast that conrad was doing out in chicago uh, Jason Eisner and Evan Husney from Dark Side of the Ring uh, were making rounds and they were going to do a special screening of that first Bruiser Brody documentary. And uh, the Bruiser Brody topic has been something has been uh, a, had a place in my heart just because, A, I loved Bruiser Brody as a wrestler and B, I was so angry. I've been angry for so many years that nothing had been done about it, you know, mm-hmm. And it got it got a little bit of play in the media here back in the states, but nobody really pressed the issue. And I mean, how did how does a, a pro wrestler get murdered in a locker room and nobody you know fell you know, over it? So when I heard there was you know finally going to be a proper documentary on the whole Bruiser Brody incident, I was like, I'm there. And uh, Evan and uh, Jason came around to my table. Uh, they were walking around, the, and they stopped by my table at uh, Starkist. And I, I told them, I was like, hey, man, good luck with this. You know, uh, I, I'm all aboard. And uh, it, apparently, you know, from the Bruiser Brody thing uh, episode, from the topic, uh, grew this whole idea of the dark side of the ring where they're going to cover other topics. I was like, dude, I'm all in on this. Again, I love documentaries. I love wrestling. This is like a Reese. You know, this is like a Reese cup where the chocolate meets the peanut butter. It's like the perfect thing, you know. Yep. So uh, season one happens, and I get more familiar with Evan and Jason. Uh, they're going to do season two, and uh, you know, I follow the Dark Side Twitter page. They follow me back, and uh, Evan from dark side of the ring reaches out and uh, uh, 
asked for assistance in, you know, reaching out to New Jack. And then they asked for, um, you know, Sandman's contact info. I reached out to Sandman. I was like, hey, <laughs> I was like, Sandman, uh, are you, uh, the, the guys from Dark Side of the Ring, they don't want to interview for uh, their documentary. It's like, yo, is that on Vice? I go, yeah, that's on Vice. He goes, I love Vice. That's such a great channel. Ah, yeah, give him my number. Ah. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so uh, I give him Sam Ant's number, and, and uh, they get, and they reached out for on a couple other things. I don't know, which I don't know if they came to fruition or not. But for the New Jack episode, uh, I got them in touch with New Jack. I got them in touch with Sam Ant, and uh, you know. And they they were kind enough to give me a little shout out at the uh, end of the episode. I, also, a shout out to uh, my friend Jeremiah Evans, who uh, provided a lot of photos for the show. He's got a really good Instagram, uh, Too Fast for Blood on Instagram. If you want to see some old school ECW photos that you've probably never seen, I'm sure most most people haven't seen. But you know, uh, the dark side of the ring guys, Evan and uh, Jason, they fell uh, with his his uh, Instagram and used a lot of his photos. So he got a shout out in the credits too. So that's great. If you're a big ECW. If you're a big ECW fan, check out his Instagram. Yeah. Wh- what was the Instagram again? Uh, too fast for blood. Too fast for blood. <laughs> Which it's a, it's just a play off of uh, a Molly Crew song too fast for love. So, but uh, <laughs> Jeremiah has been a good friend. He's an old school ECW guy. He was always front row every show and, uh, just one of those good dudes, man, who, uh, six degrees of blue meanie, like he knows we, uh, me and him became friends and it's just amazing. Like how, how many people, he, how many people he knows that I know and all this stuff. And we're like, you know him and all that stuff. But yeah, he, he's, he's in the credits for the new Jack episode as well. So what did you think of the episode? Uh, I mean, new Jack, it's so funny you know i listened to this you know tommy dreamer talk about the episode as well and i agree it's just like me and him these w guys can watch the show and go yeah that's new jack <laughs> you know <laughs> and i was following the uh i was following the, the twitter reaction to it it's like sometimes i like what like i'll watch a match that i love and then i'll watch it a second time and just watch the crowd yeah you know, just for the crowd reaction i won't even watch the match mm-hmm. but like with the new jack episode you know i watched the episode and then i went back and looked at the uh the social media feed and just watched <laughs> people, watch people lose their mind over uh the new jack episode uh it was it was look dude it was it was a good episode it was it was uh, jack is a good dude uh uh, I can, I relate a lot to Jack. Uh, like I said, you know, on last, is that, you know, is on, that based off of how many times you've stabbed somebody in a match or I want to have any justifiable. House <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, but all kidding aside, some people might listen and go, okay, how do you, you know, they just watched dark side of the ring and then here's the lovable blue meanie going, yeah, I really relate to him. And some people might be scratching their heads on that. So, uh, can you give me like like how do you relate to him? Well, there, there's New Jack and then there's Drome, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I had first met New Jack at Smoky Mountain Wrestling Show uh, when I was in the, uh, training with Al. Uh, uh, 
Al was in Smoky Mountain, but for whatever reason, he wasn't doing a show, but Smoky Mountain needed a referee. And Al sent one of his students down to referee a Smoky Mountain show. So I was like, hey, man, I'll come along for the ride. And we went down in the middle Kentucky somewhere in the mountains. And uh, when I get there, we get there early, you know, uh, and they were, Smoky Mountain was old school. You didn't, you know, there was a baby face locker room. There's a heel locker room. And I did what Al had always taught me, go say hello. So I went to the babyface locker room. First time I met Balls Mahoney, I was, you know, he was a uh, Boo Bradley or Brew Bradley. He's a uh, <laughs> Boo, Boo Bradley. I introduced myself to, you know, you know, Balls and all the, the baby faces. And Tracy was there, I think. And uh, then I went over to the heel locker room. I introduced myself. Hello, Brian. And New Jack was there and uh, introduced myself. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember this. But, you know, I, I, I didn't overstay my welcome. I said hello, went and found a spot in the bleachers, watched the rest of the show. Uh, flash forward, uh, you know, I come home from Al Snow School and I start, start going to ECW shows. I'm in the business and then eventually I get into ECW and uh, uh, I, I, I reintroduced myself to New Jack. And uh, he was he was cool, man. I mean, like if you you know, New Jack's all about respect. You respect him, mm-hmm. he respects back, just like anybody would. You know, you or I, you show me respect, I'll respect you back. You don't sure. show me disrespect. Me personally, I'll no sell somebody. New Jack might just be, you know, he has a different way of you know <laughs> react re- reacting to different disrespect. So it's um, well said. Do. Yeah, here's a good story. Uh, me, me and Stevie are, you know, doing promos. We're at the uh, Travel Lodge, the cylinder, the cylinder of sin, in uh, yeah. beautiful South Philly. There's a shirt, real quick to inter- interrupt. I believe there's a shirt about oh, that, right? That can I be had, purchased. I definitely have a uh, cylinder of sin T-shirt on uh, ProWrestlingTees.com/slash/BlueMeanie that says. I survived. That's all you need to know. It's like with all this coronavirus stuff and everything, I was like, look, look I stayed at the travel lodge. I'm, I'm, I'm good with this quarantine. So, yeah, you know, I'm good <laughs> with the coronavirus. I'm immune. But, You're uh, immune but, to everything now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're doing promos at the uh, travel lodge. Uh, Paulie takes me and Stevie in the room to do this promo. He's Stevie's sitting on the couch. I'm sitting on the floor. We're we're just like it's like a jam session. We're just improving a bunch of different stuff. You know, uh, there's like a thing of French fries. I I give feed Stevie a French fry. He's like, hey, was that off the floor? And I'm like, no, no, Stevie. You know, in the <laughs> blue mini character. But also in the room is Paulie. Uh, there's uh, the camera guy Ron and Charlie. You know, the camera guys Ron and Charlie. Uh, there's Alex Marvez from Fox Sports, who mm-hmm. also now works for works for AEW. Alex great, Marvez, great guy. He's a great ma- guy. Amazing human being. And uh, New Jack. New Jack's sitting there watching, right? So like I said, me and Steve were doing a lot of improv, and I don't know what possessed me, but I started like this thing where I, I could start contorting on the floor like I have some pain or just goofing off or whatever. I, and, oh, this has got to be funny, right? Everybody's got to be laughing. And my ears are wide open. And I'm not hearing a reaction at all. You know, Stevie's on the couch. I'm rolling around on the floor. So I'm on my back. I kind of half sit up. I look around. 
Paul Lee's got his hand on his face. Alex Marvez is biting his fist. And New Jack is giggling like a kid. <laughs> and I go, I look at all three of them. I go, why? Paul goes, any balls are out. Because I, I was wearing my half, my, I was wearing my, I was wearing my Daisy Dukes, and you know I didn't think to wear trunks because we're just doing <laughs> promos. I wasn't wrestling, right? So I'm rolling around on the floor, and, and you know the the mini meanies made a, a cameo. So like from there on, I, I think Meanie took a lot. I mean, uh, New Jack took a, a liking to me because I was just so good, you know. <laughs> uh, I was just so goofy, like, and I I I, I didn't get up. I, you know, in a situation like that, somebody might get embarrassed and might storm out of the room and they might sell it and they, you know, you know, they might react the wrong way. I just reacted. I just, it just rolled off my back like, you know, water to a, you know, duck off a of water's back. I walk off a, du- a duck's back. Sorry. But, you know, Jack took a liking to me. And uh, here's another story. One time we're in the East W locker room and uh, <laughs> New Jack walks up to me and goes, Meanie. I got heat with you. I went, what? I was like, he's like, meaning I got, I'm mad at you. I'm like, Jack, wh- what did I do? Jack. Uh, and he's like walking away. I'm like, no, Jack, what did I do? What did I do? He goes, well, and he goes, Jack goes on to tell me the story that his daughter came up to him. New Jack's kid comes up to him and goes, dad, daddy, I want something for show and tell. And Jack goes, okay, what do you want? Like a t-shirt? You want a, a tape of one of my matches? Of course, like, you know, from, uh, yeah. you know, you know <laughs> not, not the slice and dice stuff, but, you know, one of my matches. She goes, no, I want the blue meanie. <laughs> so New Jack's daughter goes up to New Jack, says, I want something for show and tell. He offers, like, his matches. She goes, uh-uh. I want the blue meanie. And that's where it was that moment I, I cemented myself that the blue meanie was like the Barney, the dinosaur of professional wrestling where, and it's all this carnage. You can still have like this kid's character come out and be like, Hey, I'm the blue meanie and all that good stuff. So, and we just both had a laugh about it. And like, it was just something like, you know, I became New Jack's daughter's favorite wrestler, and he he, he never forgave me for that. But you know, <laughs> there's like like I said, there's that side of New Jack that's Jerome, and that was like a real moment between me and him, and we shared a laugh, and you know, we 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 got along great. And like I said, you know, I I said this before, I kind of got away from it, where I said I can relate to New Jack because like. <sighs> Like I said, I said on the last episode, I've always been a part of that group of people that were the outsiders, the misfits. Mm-hmm. It was in grade school where the teacher from another class would come across the hall and ask us to quiet down uh, to, uh, you know, the, my time working the casino, working with those misfits and lunatics, you know, on the graveyard shift. And then I get into re- pro wrestling and like, the, the the weirdest thing that might have people freaked out or insecure, I'm just like, yeah, oh whatever, you know, it, things really don't bother me that much. So, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody in the locker room was there for a purpose. We were all there because maybe somebody else didn't want us or whatever. 
But uh, growing up in Atlantic City, there's a lot of kids I went to school with that were New Jack. You know, just guys that you know I got along with and hung out. You know, just chilled out. You know, so like throughout my life, I've always been attracted to certain people because they're you know characters, and you know New Jack has. Not only is a great character, but he's a great guy. And, uh, of course, New Jack has done some things in his life. But, uh, you know, if I disavowed any of my friends because of some of the things they might have done in their past, I'd have zero friends and maybe zero family members as well. So, uh, you know, I, I'm still happy that, you know, Jack is a friend, somebody I could call a friend. And uh, I was happy to put him in touch with the Dark Side of the Ring guys because he has an interesting story to be told, whether controversial or not that that's new jack i mean i mean you hear all these uh and people go oh he did all this crazy thing but then you hear like stories you know of all these rock bands and you know back in the day you know led zeppelin you know you know having a shark in their hotel room or riding motorcycles down the hall of a you know the hyatt regency in hollywood and you hear all these you know wild stories you know rock stars gluing furniture to the roof of their ceiling of their hotel rooms, you know, you know, ECW was pretty much like a rock band without the, you know, the, the instruments, you know, new Jack had a guitar, but that was about it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that, I, did, that didn't last long once, uh, once he'd get to the ring. Yeah. But, uh, you know, new Jack's a great dude. He's a great character. Everything, everybody in ECW was a bunch of characters that, you know, and we, we, we left that, we had that rock star lifestyle in the ring back at the hotel and all that good stuff. So, you know, I could definitely relate to new Jack because, you know, it's, we're, we're all, we're all there from the same cause and the same purpose and the you know, same life. New Jack was good to me too, man. Plenty of times I would ride with Jack and I wasn't making that much money at the time. And, you know, I hadn't gotten paid yet. He would like buy me something to eat, you know? Or we'd be riding, you know, he'd come pick me up. We'd go just for a ride and just talk about the business. And, you know, uh, there was one time in ECW, uh, Jack was out with an injury. And uh, he's walking around on crutches. I I forget what his injury was. And uh, we decided, me and and Nova were going to do a parody of the Gangsters. Because we had been doing parodies. Stevie was way at WCW. And me and Nova were still finding our ways on the shows and stuff like that. So uh, Tommy Dreamer was wrestling Danny Doring, and Danny Doring had, you know, corner men like uh, uh, he had Roadkill, Roadkill, Lazansky. Uh, he had Jack Victory, and uh, there's another guy I can't think of his name. I want the Equalizer or something like that, and uh, they all start beating up on Tommy Dreamer and. Uh, Danny Dorning get Danny Dorning gets on the mic. Not only am I the best wrestler, but I'm also the best dancer. And then from that, they hit uh, my music, well, me and Nova's music, which was DJ Cool's uh, "Let Me Clear My Throat." The music <laughs> hits. Now listen to this. Jack's on the stage watching the show. Jack's new Jack knows we're doing this parody of the Gangsters, which he totally signed off on. I was Blue Jack. Nova was Nova Mustafa, you know, <laughs> after Mustafa. So uh, we, 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 you know, Jack helped us assemble the trash can, of the, you know, the plunder that we we're going to bring into the ring. Right. So the music hits. Danny hits his line. Our music hits. We run out. Nova's got like a stop sign in his arm. He's got uh, the shield 
that he's going to unveil during the, 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 the brawl that's covered up, pulling the trash can full of weapons to the ring. So me and Nova grab a side of the trash can. I'm aiming for through the ropes. Nova's aiming for over the top rope. <laughs> and we, we, the trash can, we both hit the top rope. And the, the weapons just go everywhere. Everywhere but in the ring. And we're like, oh, we're like, oh shit. So I just grab a crutch. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I bring a couple weapons in with me. Nova's on the outside. He's, you know, trying to scurry the things in the ring. So I hit Jack Victory with a crutch. We hit all these moves. Uh, Dreamer comes back. He, you know, hits somebody with a bowling ball. And, uh, you know, we clear the ring of all the heels. Danny Doring and uh, Lazansky and all that. And we turn around. And New Jack's up where the hard camera is, you know, if you're watching, you know, down the ring. And we, you know, he's up there giving us the X, you know, the, the gangsters X, we're giving him the X and stuff like that. And we go back in the locker room and New Jack said, when we went to throw the trash can in the ring and, and the, the weapons just hit the, the thing hit the top rope and the weapons went everywhere. Jack literally fell out of his chair laughing. <laughs> The new Jack fell out of his chair hysterically laughing because he goes, Meanie, only you and Nova could get away with botching that up or you know, fucking that up and still get away. And people just go, oh, that's just Meanie. It's like, <laughs> if anybody else had done that, you would get the, uh, you fucked up chant, right? Yeah. But me and Nova, who are like the class clowns, do it. And they're like, they thought it was part of the show. They're like, oh, that was so genius. You know, the fans are like, oh, that's so funny. You know, we're like, and, you know, if somebody gives you a compliment, you don't go, oh, no, well, we made a mistake. And you go, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah we, we, we planned that all along. So uh, New Jack comes down, he, he, you know, gives us his little props. And it was, it, was, it was like a really cool moment because, uh, you know, it, when the BWO was at its height, too, and, uh, you know, the BWO was doing stuff on ECW TV. Uh, New Jack uh, came and uh, helped the uh, helped the uh, the BWO. Uh, I think we're doing something with uh, Axel and Devon, and they laid us out with chairs. And the gangsters came and helped out. And you know, New Jack put on the BWO shirt to kind of help put us over. You know, mm-hmm. put on the BWO shirt, he did the uh, X chant and stuff like that. And he didn't have to do that. You know, New Jack was so over on his own. He did that as a, you know, a way to give me, Nova and Stevie and the BWO a little bit of a rub. So I've always been, you know, appreciative of everything New Jack. New Jack did things for me professionally and personally. And, um, you know, he always looked for me like uh, one time. Okay, here's another story. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> I, what we're here I, for, I, man. <laughs> so, dude, dude I got so I got, I got so many new. I know we want to talk about the New Jack Dark Side of the Ring show, but I got so many New Jack stories. Just no, man. hey, look, if if people want to check out Dark Side of the Ring, they can go check out Dark Side of the Ring. But they got to go to the they got to take this trip into the mind of the meanie to hear all of these. So I, I don't think anyone's complaining right now. Well. I hope not. <laughs> if they're complaining but still listening, I don't understand that. So, I mean, well, if you hate what you're hearing, just please turn it off. Well, no, don't. Well, do- it's like 
it, it's it's like the movie Private Parts when they're going over the ratings. They're like these, you know, X amount of people listen because they like the show. X amount listen to the show because they hate the show. <laughs> Why do they keep listening? They <laughs> want to see what he says next. Yep. So. And, and like as I'm talking about New Jack, all these thoughts are coming to mind. And uh, there was the Chad Austin incident, which I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, um, I'm not sure. Uh, Chad Austin was a uh, a wrestler. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if he still is, but Chad was a good dude. But uh, he had a tendency he could, you know, rub people the wrong way. And apparently, I mean, Chad had wrestled everywhere. He wrestled at ECW. He would wrestle in Ozark Mountain Wrestling. He, I don't know if he wrestled Memphis, but one time Chad went down to Smoky Mountain and wrestled, uh, did a couple TVs for Smoky Mountain. And the story that was relayed to me was, you know, Chad went down to Smoky Mountain and when he introduced himself to everybody in the locker uh, Chad Austin, uh, he was telling everybody he was an agent from ECW, like a talent scout or something like that. And he's telling everybody, oh, yeah, talent scout, ECW. That's the story that was told to me. So uh, the the show ends up and uh, you know, Chad goes up to New Jack. Hey, Jack, do you think you uh, made a spot here with uh, Cornette? He's like, well, hey, you're a, you're an agent with ECW. Uh, you should be you should have no problem getting a job, right? <laughs> So, uh, also, apparently he did something and pissed off New Jack, and he pissed off another guy who, in a million years, you would never want to piss off this wrestler named Bruiser Bedlam, who uh, was wrestling for uh, Smoky Mountain. Before uh, Bruiser Bedlam was Bruiser Bedlam, he wrestled as Johnny. Big muscular powerful canadian wrestler uh who used to do uh what was his name about, what was his name again he, he wrestled as johnny canine like the dog okay. like you know like the canine squad mm-hmm. it was the actual number k and then number nine he was johnny canine and if you meet anybody who's ever met johnny canine everybody's got a johnny canine story and they all have an, a johnny canine impersonation where hey buddy hey bro how about you bench press Oh, what? I do that for warm-ups, pal. Or, you know, stuff like that, you know. Like, <laughs> Johnny had this big chest. He had this big drum from, you know, powerlifting. He, hold, he held a behind-the-press, behind-the-head press. It might have been like 500 pounds behind the neck. Something mm-hmm. like, something ridiculous. He was in all these powerlifting magazines for it. But Johnny is also, he was also a, a, in, a, in a motorcycle club. And uh, I will, you know, I mean, there's rumor he may have blown up a police station. Uh, he, there's rumors. There's, there's, there's rumors that Johnny may have murdered somebody. Uh, a defense lawyer, maybe, allegedly. I don't know. Uh, Johnny's no longer here for us to, uh, to defend himself, but. You know, that's stories, you know, been written by other people. So Johnny Canine is wrestling in Smoky Mountain as Bruiser Bradlam. And uh, I, apparently there's a, a deal between Johnny Canine, a.k.a. Bruiser Bradlam, and New Jack. Who is going to get to this Chad guy first? Who is going to get to uh, Chad Austin first? So 
flash forward all these, you know, I don't know how much how much time so elapsed between this incident in Smoky Mountain and the incident in EC, well, the, the incident I'm about to describe in ECW, where uh, the night before, and me and Stevie were scheduled to wrestle the gangsters uh, this night at the ECW arena. The night before in Reading, Pennsylvania, Stevie Richard wrestled uh, Rob Van Dam, and there was a miscommunication in the ring between Rob and Stevie on uh, a kick. Rob shot Stevie in and said, duck the kick. Stevie didn't hear it. It was an honest miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Rob Van Dam kicks him full swing right in the face. And it was, oh. it, it's ugly. It's brutal. It's out there uh, on like our video or something like that. But it sounded like a Louisville slugger. Just, you know. So uh, Stevie goes to the hospital, gets looked at. He has a cracked orbital bone. Which sounds disgusting, and uh, Mrs. Meany just uh, dry heaved. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so Stevie's Stevie's fucked up. So Stevie can't go. He can't tag with me against the gangsters. So they select Chad Austin to be the uh, uh, the the replacement for Stevie. So. so in the locker room, and, and, and we were having fun because uh, Chad had just buzzed his head. So, like, we'll, we'll call you lukewarm Chad Austin instead of Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We called him Luke. We called him lukewarm Chad Austin to be my tag partner. Rick. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I, you know what? When I was wrestling a couple years later, I had one of my best friends I was wrestling with. We went, we called him lukewarm John Brody as a play off of that. And I, to this day, thought that we came up with that. But apparently uh, that was deep in our memory somewhere from, from this. Because I looked this up while you were talking. And it looks like this was uh, April 1st, 1996. So we just uh, passed the anniversary of this. But that's and that, crazy. And that's why I hired you to do the legwork and the research. what's funny i'll get right back to the story right in a second but it's funny you said you thought you created something because in ecw uh tad started coming out to kiss his war machine (laughs) and taz is like oh yeah brother coming out to kiss his war machine and bigelow goes yeah i used that in memphis and taz just went (laughs) taz heard bigelow go oh yeah i used that in memphis and taz just deflated like oh like he thought he was the first guy to use war machine, you know, but it still worked out for him. You know, nobody else knew, you know, unless you were yeah. Memphis wrestling. Fan. But, uh, back to the, to the <laughs> story, uh, I'm, uh, you know, they, you know, the lineup sheets, you know, uh, Luke Worm, Chad Austin, Blue Meanie, with Steve Richards in the corner against the gangsters. So I'm sitting there putting on my Meanie gear, which is, you know, mean gear. You know, I put on my Daisy Dukes. I'm putting on my half shirt. I'm putting on my boots. I get blown up putting on my boots. Uh, I start painting my face. Uh, New Jack comes over. New Jack puts his hand on my shoulder and leans in. I go, ah, shit, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> kidding around, you know. He goes, me, me, me and Mustafa are working you in this old Chad Austin, they went Mustafa. I went, no. Double thumbs up. All right. He's like, don't come near me. 
Uh, if you come near me, I, I'm going to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. Uh, don't tell me twice. So, <laughs> uh, thanks for the heads up, man. Thanks for the stock tip, New Jack. Uh, so, and it was a t- me and Mustafa uh, took over to me and Mustafa stayed in the ring. And it was the tale of two matches because me and Mustafa are in the ring having this match. And around us on the outside of the ring is this homicide happening where New Jack, I guess, whatever happened in Smoky Mountain on top of when Chad, uh, they said we were going to have this match that night in ECW Arena. Chad Austin went up to New Jack, much like mass transit went up to new jack and said hey let's do this this and that and the other thing which wrong move you know mm-hmm. you know like if i was going to wrestle new jack i'd be like hey uh jack uh, what are you thinking about doing and then and, it's, and, it's, and, and and jack would say and if jack went i don't know what do you want to do then i would say right. okay and, and it kind of goes thing. Well, it kind of goes back to to what you were saying before about how the difference between how you would no sell somebody and Jack might have a different uh, way of handling things because that's kind of standard in the wrestling business. If you're if if you're going in, you have a match with somebody, and you know, and obviously you've been around the business much you know longer and more successfully than I have. But if you if you go in and there's somebody who's a veteran over you, or even a veteran in the locker room compared to you. At sometimes, you know, if you're in a new locker room, it's respectful to just kind of let them kind of take the lead and let, like you said, kind of sit out, let them ask you for your opinion. Um, and again, so right off the bat, I think this guy would have offended anybody and maybe would have gotten a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of choice shots uh, in the match. But New Jack, like you said before, this is a different cat. You know, this is, this is a different guy. And New Jack's New Jack. And, and, you know, so somebody else might have just chewed the guy out in the locker room or mm-hmm. cut a promo in the locker room. And, and and you know what? Speaking of this Chad Austin incident, and which I'll get back to in a second, and speaking of, you know, the, the mass transit thing, I had a similar incident, you know, speaking of Johnny K-9 slash Bruiser Bedlam. I was booked on a show in Canada for Scott Demore, who uh, works for Impact TNA. And Scott was running shows in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and I went up to work with work for Scott, and I worked Johnny Kane, aka Bruiser Bedlam, and I made the rookie mistake of saying, "Hey, Johnny, uh, is it okay if I do this, that, and the other thing?" And he kind of like looked at me. I was like, "Ah, shit!" And <laughs> uh, we went in the ring, and he lit me up. Uh, I mean, nothing brutal, but like. Slams had a little extra oomph. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ta- he tossed me out of the ring, and we're at we're in the, uh, we're in Windsor, Ontario, at a Greek community center. <laughs> and if you can imagine uh, cafeteria chairs, like mm-hmm. you know, high school cafeteria chairs, where they're plastic and they kind of curve. And yeah, but they like don't one, fold. Yeah, they don't they don't fold, but they just curve. It's like one continuous piece. He. He hit me with one of those chairs so hard that the plastic shattered and the shrapnel just gigged the back of my head. So, like, he tosses me back in, the match ends. He goes to the cur- back 
through the curtain. I'm still selling the ring like I just, you know, got shot by a, a rifle. So I go back to the curtain and he's wait, there waiting. I'm like, oh man. He comes up, he comes up, he, he, he goes, hey buddy, hey bro, sorry about that, man. And he started apologizing. He kind of <laughs> felt bad that he, he laid into me and, you know, I, would, I was disrespectful. You know, I should have asked him what he wanted to do first. And he, he felt so bad. He started apologizing. So we're in the locker room. He's like, you all right, buddy? You all right, bro? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, John. So the next time I see Johnny Canine was at a show for uh, Midwest Territorial Wrestling. And he's like, hey, buddy, come here. Come, come with me. And he went and had the promoter put me on the show. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so he felt so bad about it. He put me on the show. But, you know, I'm talking about other people fucking up and i just want to give an example of where i did the exact same mistake i mean i made the exact same mistake oh sure. so and i know so where... ma- and so many people have you know who have gone on to have very successful careers you know but yeah just i mean i guess new jack's just as we learn from dark side and from your stories is just not the guy to make those mistakes with um, I, I... And, and it just goes back to you know we all come from somewhere we're all raised a certain way and he had stuff he grew up with, and I mm-hmm. had stuff. I had issues I grew up with too. You know, uh, you know, growing up, and I, I, you know, never knew my dad and all that stuff, and shit that just hung with me and kind of had a little chip on my shoulder too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, getting back to the Chad Austin thing, uh, me and Mustafa, yeah, you know, we, me and Mustafa talked about a couple things in the back, and we kind of did like like three students just spots and meanwhile on the outside you know new jack is just tearing up that Aussie's throwing him in the crowd he's throwing back over the rail he's hitting him with a chair and uh you know uh, i forget what it was but uh i think we stopped with shot me in the ropes gave me the hogan big boot i bumped i sold out and I think this this might have been the night that New Jack invented the drive-by finisher he does, where mm-hmm. he'll put a guy in the middle of the ring. Yeah, he'll lay a guy out in the middle of the ring, and he'll come off the top rope with a chair to the face. And I think this is the night he invented <laughs> he invented it on Chad Austin, because if you ever, it reminded me of the cartoon Tom and Jerry, where you know the the you know cat would hit the mouse with like a, a dustpan and you would see the imprint of the, the mouse's face on the <laughs> dustpan. So Jack comes off the top and does that one, two, three. Uh, and then like Jack hops outside to, you know, um, the hit, you know, Chad with, and he looks at me and Stevie and he takes a step towards me and Stevie and me and Stevie go, and we run to the locker room and totally abandon Chad Austin to to where New Jack goes back in the ring and he starts hitting Chad with the chair. And it's the point where Mustafa was stepped and went, hey, it's <laughs> to Mustafa kind of started dragging Chad and get try to get Chad out of the ring and stuff like that. Oh, but uh, it's just like one of those things where, you know, Jack. Yeah, he he looked out for me. He, he Jack respected me. Jack looked out for me, not only in the ring. And I mean, I, I, maybe I'm using the wrong example, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, he, he definitely took care of me in the ring. He respected me in the ring. He respected me 
New Jack respected me as a human being, and he, you know, he looked out for me. Uh, uh, you know, you know, if I didn't have enough money, he'd buy me something to eat. He wronged me, he would speak up. You know, if somebody disrespected me, he would speak up. I like, like another wrestler, like if a fan said something, he would speak mm-hmm. up. And like, hey, Meanie, uh, you know, and, and Jack's a gold dude. There's New Jack and there's Jerome, and I've been very fortunate to uh, get, to, get to talk to Jerome. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, somebody, somebody I'll always call a friend. Yeah, and uh, again, Dark Side of the Ring, um, the, just so well done, as is every episode they do. They do a tremendous job of putting uh, these documentaries together. But really, it is an interesting uh, look into New Jack and some of the more uh, high-profile things that he did. That, if I, you know, yeah, if I could get back, I'm sorry, not, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, no, you're another, good. To, to get back on track with the new, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode with the mass transit thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a few things uh, that came to mind while I was watching it that I kind of wish I had reached out and you know pointed out to them, but. Uh, a lot of times when ECW ran the, the shows in Massachusetts at like the Wonderland dog track and stuff mm-hmm. like that, uh, or anytime we were in Massachusetts, uh, Killer Kowalski, uh, the great legendary Killer Kowalski would come to those shows because Killer Kowalski trained the Eliminators. So we'd mm-hmm. come by, you know, the, the Eliminators invited you know Kowalski to come by. Kowalski would talk to the younger guys. And uh, Kowalski still had his wrestling school. So so he would bring, you know, his students to an ECW show. And some of them would get in the ring and roll around with some of the ECW guys. And, you know, a very cool communal type atmosphere. Like even one show, uh, the first time I ever met China was at an ECW show. She came to the Wonderland show and uh, hung out and watched training and stuff like that. And, And it was, you know, when she showed up on WWE TV, I was like, oh, my God, that's the Killer Kowalski student. You know, I, I knew her right away. It was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, like I said, Killer Kowalski would always come to Massachusetts show. So the night in question, Mass Transit comes to the show, and he's got the two uh, uh, the midget wrestlers. Uh, were you, the small were you there that wrestler. night? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, I was there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's good for our listeners. I was there, and the things in perspective, you know, there's always like, you, you, anytime you go to a ECW show, you know, for, or in wrestling in general, uh, any wrestler will relate to this. If you go to a building you're familiar with, you sit in the same spot, you get the same traditions, you know, you mm-hmm. you, you still. You do the same things over and over again, and uh, you know, we, we when we wrestled at the Wonderland Dog Track, like people from the building would like hook us up with like a pitcher, you know, pitchers of water, you know, uh, Dixie cups to drink out of, you know, not Dixie cup, but like solo cups to drink out of. Somebody wants soda, they would give us soda and all this stuff. So I go over and I go to get a like a soda because that's. I stopped drinking soda then and now, but back then I was like a soda fiend. So I'm drinking some soda, and a student comes over and he starts drinking our soda. I'm like, "Who the hell's this guy?" And it was Mass Transit. But when I when I saw Mass Transit in this outfit, I thought he was the security guard for the building. 
because he had the blue shirt, you know, yeah. the powder blue shirt, the the black pants, you know, you know, the same outfit I wore in Catholic school. So I was like, who is this guy? Why is he drinking our water? I mean, that stuff's for the wrestlers. What's he doing? You know, I had no idea who he was. And then, like, later on, I see him sit down. He sits down in his chair, and he lights up a cigarette, and he's sitting, like, right next to Taz. Oh, like, Taz is like, uh, 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 you know, brother, you know, uh, you want to put that out? or I don't know. I, Taz got hot. I, you know, he goes over. You know, That's surprising. So, so we're getting around the, you know, this kid was a wrestler. Yeah. The kid, the kid had no etiquette, and, and and you know, of course, we learned, you know, that he had lied about his training. He he said he was, you know, the reason why I brought up Killer Kowalski is this kid had said he was twenty one, which kills me because I wish I had known that point because I would have pointed out that one show that Killer Kowalski did not come to. A guy showed up saying he was trained by Killer Kowalski and got on the show. Had, you know, Killer Kowalski been there and Paul could have went to Kowalski and said, hey, this is one of your students. Kowalski could have, you know, shut that down right then and there. And we might not even be talking about this situation all these years later. Uh, And it turned out Axel, you know, they needed a spot on the show. Axel couldn't make it to the show. Oh, okay. We'll put, you know, and and another thing they they they, they kind of missed on the show, but it's not pertinent to the story that he said he wanted to wrestle as Ralph Cramden. You know, he he's supposed to be a bus driver. He wanted to be Ralph Cramden from the Honeymooners. So New Jack was like, Nah, I am not going to call you Ralph Cramden. Uh, you're uh, you're Mass Transit. All right, you're Mass Transit. So that how the whole mass transit name came up and uh are you saying new new jack created the name no master no no paul Heyman created it because the kid told you know paulie's like okay what's your name you know so i can put you on the lineup sheet right okay he goes, oh i i re- i wrestle as ralph cramden he's goes, nah i'm not calling you ralph cramden i'm calling you mass transit so in the word game, you know everybody's seeing this kid you know goof around we're like man What's he doing, you know? And then, like, he goes up to New Jack, and uh, he had and he arrived with the two, uh, you know, the mini, the minis, and then, uh, you know, they, they Paul wasn't going to use them, but he, and then, like, you know, Matt Stranger goes up to New Jack, and just like, you know, with Chad Austin, and just like me with Johnny Canine, hey, let's do this, that, and the other thing, and New Jack was like, looking around like somebody was ribbing him like new jack was looking around like okay who put this kid up to come up to me and talk to me like this and it, like when 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 everybody made a point to go to the lineup sheet and see when this match was going to happen because as we say in the wrestling business the curtain was sold out you know right. just uh and there's a, a a way where like if you ever see a, a tape from the wonderland uh racetrack uh you know, there's the curtain, and there's like a little spot between the curtain and the, and the top of the the, the 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 ceiling or whatever. So there was a, a set of stairs where you can like go up the set of stairs and kind of look over the curtain and watch the matches. And, and I went and watched that match in person. I was not in person, like as it was happening, and it was just insanity. It was just craziness. 
and um, the match happens, and, and and people are rushing back to the locker room. Who's got towels? You know, the we we legit had like there's there's a couple that was called damage control. They were a gimmick, you know, but they were legit paramedics. They're running back, going, "Who's got towels?" You know, people are getting towels. They're running back. You know, uh, you know, they use the kid's head, and uh, I, I don't know if they brought them back through the locker room. They they brought them back somewhere, but the dad charged in the locker room, and, and you know, you know, trying to look for him, and you know, like you know, Atlas Security was like, "Nah, you gotta get out of here," you know, stuff like that, and uh, they got New Jack out of the building, uh, uh, and and then what's crazy about that trip is I was traveling. Uh, I was going to travel back to Philadelphia from Boston with Gabe Sapolsky, mm-hmm. who runs, you know, it was Gabe who uh, did ECW fan cam, you know, Gabe who went on to be the creative mind of Ring of Honor. Now he does Evolve. Oh, yeah. And he works, he, he works with WWE and uh, he's a consultant for, for all that stuff for uh, helping, you know, get talent in NXT and all that stuff. He was uh, working fan cam that night. So I was traveling back to Philadelphia with Gabe, and uh, Gabe was kind enough to let me stay over at his house. And we're talking about this. He's talking about how brutal it was. And mind you, I had only watched the match with my eyes. So I was, mm-hmm. I was like, let me watch it. You know, so he, he busted out the camera. And before, like, you know, the tape even hit, like, I'm sitting in Gabe Sapolsky's, you know, parents' house watching this match through, you know, the, the viewfinder. And, wow. you know, you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, if like I had a DeLorean, I'd go back and go, eh, maybe you should erase that tape. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should be the hero. Go back and erase that tape, and only in uh, because you know, the implications that came from that pay per view. Mm-hmm. I mean, that pretty much shut down ECW's first pay-per-view for a minute. Right, it delayed that, it, for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. And this this kid lying about his age, lying about his training, and going into the ring, and then he went into the ring and asked, well, before the, the match, he asked New Jack to cut him, which, if you're a trained professional wrestler, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's been practiced in the business, if you're not familiar with cutting yourself, but I was also taught, you know, by Al, never let anybody else cut you because mm-hmm. only you know your your threshold of pain. You know your comfort level. You know, right? When I, when, you know, when I when I gig myself, you know, with Tracy Smothers and and FBI, I knew, you know, I mean, sure, you know, I, I had a little help there with somebody taking a bump in the ring, but <laughs> never let somebody else cut you. And he asked New Jack to cut you. He, he asked New Jack to cut him, which if you're going to ask somebody to cut you, that's, like I said, he's the Da Vinci of, of blade jobs. And uh, so it happened, and it was unfortunate. And everything that happened almost shut down a company and caused so many people yeah. jobs because somebody wanted to lie and play, you know, professional wrestler. Which uh, It's crazy that something like that could happen in the world of professional wrestling because I, I couldn't, you know, buy a bunch of like football gear and go down to Lincoln Financial Field and go, hey guys, I'm ready to play for the Eagles. You know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, how is that? It? It's amazing. Sorry, no, no, I, not to cut you off. I was just saying, I agree with you. It's amazing how 
it, I really think if you look at all professional sports, and I'm sure some people will argue, oh, well, it's entertainment, not a sport. Okay, let's pretend that it's entertainment, not a sport. Try walking onto a, a set and saying, hey, I, I want to be, uh, I want a speaking part in this television show that you're filming. It seems like pro wrestling is the only only major place like that where you can where you can just walk on and and it can even happen in uh the wwe it can happen in AEW with people uh you know they're always bringing extras in and you know they try to vet them as best they can but i'm sure somebody can sneak their way in there claiming to have trained uh either more than they have or you know claiming that they trained with someone that they didn't so it's really it's amazing that that's that's something that can happen that that happened with wwe where a guy showed up at a show in tampa and said he was a professional wrestler like i mean I, he was semi-trained and he he maybe worked a couple local shows but he really wasn't trained trained mm-hmm. and uh a guy named chuck austin amazingly enough another guy with the last name austin uh lied about you know his experience went in the ring with the rockers and uh oh god yeah you know, yeah, yeah remember that yeah, and he, he, he mm-hmm. they, asked, they asked him if you they asked him if you wanted to take the rocker dropper. He said he could take it. They walked through it, and when you know uh, Marty Jannetty went to give him the rocker dropper, the guy took the the exact way you're not supposed to, and shot himself into the canvas like a lawn dart. You know, and went you know head first instead of just pancaking out, take flat face bump. You know, a whole a full like a full uh, body bump. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instances like that have happened where now, you know, WWE, I mean, the business was like that in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, but it's really, you know, they've really locked down on, you know, how people get into, into their, you know, on yeah. their shows and stuff like that. But, you know, this happened in the, you know, 90s and it almost, you know, crippled ECW before we even had a chance to get on pay-per-view. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I want to take a quick break uh, to talk about our sponsor, and then we're going to get back to uh, some more Dark Side of the Ring. I want to talk about the Chris Benoit episode, but we absolutely have to thank our sponsor for today's episode, the Rhino Wrestling Review. The Rhino Wrestling Review is hosted by Dan Rhino of ProWrestling.com, which is the greatest name you can possibly get, the greatest URL you can get, ProWrestling.com. The Rhino Wrestling Review is a mixed format show. It's once a week. It's a podcast which includes breaking news, hosts' opinions, and interviews from the world of professional wrestling. And the goal of this show is to deliver a pro wrestling podcast from a fan's perspective. Not a guy pretending to know everything, just saying, hey, I'm a fan. Here's what I think. It's relaxed and it's entertaining. Dan is joined by a revolving cast of co-hosts offering unique opinions and takes on the ins and outs of this crazy world of professional wrestling. They even let some guy named Josh Chernoff appear on their show before. Uh, The Rhino Wrestling Review drops every week on ProWrestling.com as well as your favorite podcast platform. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so many more. You can find them on Twitter at rhino underscore wrestling and at dan rhino that is r y n o and on facebook rhino wrestling review again it's r y n o meanie we got to thank dan rhino uh for sponsoring he has a, a great podcast like i mentioned before it's the fans perspective um but it's really interesting he's a he's a smart guy knows what he's talking about oh, oh. 
uh, a, a huge thanks to Dan Rhino for uh, sponsoring the show this week. And uh, I mean, every, 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 any help we can get, we can, uh, we appreciate with, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate somebody coming out. I wanted to sponsor the mind of the media and from everything you've said, you know, he's got a great website. He's got the perfect name for a website, prowrestling.com. Yeah. It and, just blew uh, me away I, that that was available. Right? Like, how is prowrestling.com available in this world where everybody's snatching up uh, URLs yeah. to uh, forward to themselves, you know? And he's got a great last name, too, Dan Rhino. I mean, that, that's a pretty badass name, too. So, yeah. and it's, it's always good to have, you know, different opinions, different perspectives in wrestling and, and, and watching wrestling. You know, we all have our, our opinions and perspective, and he's, he's got a pretty good uh, deal over there at prowrestling.com. Yeah, so again, that's the Rhino, R-Y-N-O, Wrestling Review. We'll tweet out a link. Uh, we'll post it all over our social media. But again, Dan Rhino, thank you so much for sponsoring Mind of the Meanie uh, this week and a few weeks to come. We're looking forward to having him on here. Very, very supportive of our show um, and just a true fan of professional wrestling. Somebody that I think if you listen to a show, you really will enjoy and, and probably agree with a lot of his perspective on things. So thank you again. Uh, Rhino Wrestling Review. Back to Dark Side of the Ring, Meanie. Um, I, I honestly, I feel like we could go another two hours talking about some of the New Jack related stuff. Um, right. But I, I did want to get your opinion. Um, I don't want to spend too much time just kind of because this is obviously far less uh, jovial to discuss. Um, I love oh, how it's, you know New Jack stabs someone and we can all laugh. Um, but no, but this is this is a much more serious one. The the Chris Benoit. Um, episodes uh it was a two-part episode um what did you think of the what did you think of the episode just as a, a a documentary right off the bat before we even talk about the content and and the story what did you think of the episode i think uh you know jason and uh, the guys from dark side you know uh, jason and evan hit hit the ball out of the park with the uh, chris benoit two-part episode just uh just, I mean, there's there, there's one thing to know a story, and then there's another thing to do a deep dive into a story and learn things you never knew, you know that that happened with you know the Chris Benoit anti uh, Benoit situation, uh, you know, and and I think a lot of that stems from people having conspiracy theories on what happened, and I think there's a when it comes to the Chris Benoit and Nancy Benoit story, I think there's a lot of poisoning the well with what information came out. And then mm -hmm. people started, you know, making conspiracies saying, Oh, Kevin Sullivan had somebody come and murder them. And, you know, all this wild and crazy stuff that came out in, in the wake of this tragedy, you know, that, uh, I think, you know, Evan and Jason did a, a spectacular job on a, horrific situation to uh, uh, not only tell the story, but, you know, I, I, without getting into detail, kind of end up with a, a little bit of a bow at the end. Um, yeah. uh, the, 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 I, I'm sorry, you were going to say something? Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. But I, but I will, I will add that uh, something I thought they did a great job was your, your concern when you're when you're doing a broadcast that obviously your intention is for people to watch for getting ratings and whatnot. Um, 
the concern is always, are we sensationalizing this, right? Are we, are, is that where we're all just going to, you know, grab our popcorn and, and let's sit back and watch a, a show talk about this, this horrible, horrible uh, tragedy. I felt that they, in my, this is just my opinion on it. Um, I felt that Dark Side of the Ring handled it um, respectfully, tastefully, um, and I will say there was one part where I was actually kind of nervous of what I was going to see when they started showing some images of the uh, of the the scene of the crime scene right. of their of their right. home. And I honestly was I, I'm like at that point I'm watching this and I'm just thinking to myself, oh God, please don't show me something that is not going to be able to get out of my head, you know. Um, and they and again I felt that they tastefully as tasteful as you can in in a, in a situation like that but i thought they tastefully showed they really showed you enough that was so impactful these these visuals were so impactful without showing you something that was um i felt disrespectful to the to the victims if that makes any sense yeah, yeah. and jason and evan uh do a spectacular job with uh they, they paint a picture for you where they won't show you the graphic details of what happened in the Quit Benoit Nancy situation, but through reactions, they kind of paint that picture where they they, they have the you know, the people you know, they they're talking to the cops and as the the police officers who arrive on the scene are talking about what happens, they have uh, actors reenacting and we're doing a walkthrough of everything that had happened. And uh, like he, like you said, they, they they definitely didn't sensationalize it. They didn't go for the uh, the cheap you know thrill. Uh, and that's another reason why I love this series. They they, mm-hmm. they lay everything out, and they they give you every side of the story pretty much, you know. And and with with you know those who are willing to participate in the documentary. And let me tell you, like when it comes to the story is. When this whole Chris Benoit and Nancy and Daniel, I mean, let's not forget Daniel. He was, he was a victim in this as well. Of course. Uh, when this all happened, there was like no, I was like, there's no way this happened. I was shopping when when the word started to come out. I was shopping with Mrs. Meany and we we're in a store and I got a, I got a text message from my, my friend CJ, uh, wrestler CJ O'Doyle, who now wrestles in Florida. He said, dude, Benoit's dead. What? And he's like, yeah, apparently him and his whole family are dead. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I went and found Mrs. Meany. And this is like, uh, the internet was the internet, but it's not the internet that we had out there. We're like, I mean, you get people on the, on the street with their you know, camera phones recording stuff. You know, you got all right, the- right. And- and everything was not out at the point at that point. So where I'm like, if look, if you told me a space alien came down from Mars and murdered Chris Benoit and his family, I would have believed that well more than Chris Benoit had murdered his family and murdered himself. Yeah. Because I'm not going to, you know, like I said with the story with New Jack, you know, because I knew I know New Jack professionally and personally. I knew Chris and I. Knew Nancy a lot better but like I'm not going to sit here and like oh we broke bread every Sunday I knew you know Chris uh, you know from working the first time I met Chris was at Al Snow's gym he wrestled Al 
uh, on a Dennis Corluzzo show. And, uh, you know, that's between that and WWE, that's the, the, the most I, I knew of Chris, uh, you know, in person. I knew Nancy from ECW because when I debuted for ECW, she was, oh, I'd met her as a fan. I was a huge fan of hers as, you know, as a fan for Chris. But uh, I had more personal connection with Nancy uh, through ECW. My first night in, I was debuting as the uh, Blue Meanie. And I was going to paint my face up, but I forgot my mirror. I go, ah, crap. And I said to Raven, ah, man, I forgot my mirror. And he calls Nancy over, hey, can you help Meanie's face? And the night I debuted as the Blue Meanie, my face, you know, you know, a little trivia, you know, Nancy was Nancy Sullivan at the time painted my face, helped me paint my face, you know, for the next couple shows until she, uh, you know, left for WCW. And uh, what gets lost in all this, all this thing is, you know, Nancy was such a sweetheart. She was not only, uh, you know, a tough woman, but she was a sweetheart, sweet woman. She had a great mind for the business, and uh, she was one of the boys, really. You know, if she had been around the business long enough that she knew more about the business than some of the guys in the business. And it, so, it, it really is something. I remember – I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I remember watching um, – the first night uh, when when this happened and they canceled Raw and they they made it a multi-hour tribute show to Chris Benoit. And they showed some matches from WCW. They showed some matches from WWE. And um, at the bottom of the screen, they had an image that would come up of Chris and Nancy and Daniel. Um, and that was almost the extent of mentioning Nancy. And I remember that night before knowing anything about how this happened or who was responsible. But I remember just from being a lifelong wrestling fan, I remember just thinking to myself, why aren't, why aren't they talking about woman? Right. You right. know, which was there for those who might not know that was Nancy's, uh, that was her name, her, her gimmick name there. Um, and I just I found that so uh, interesting that there was no and I understand she didn't work for them, but it, I mean, she was the wife of the guy that they were honoring, if nothing else. I mean, it, it, I found it very uh, confusing that they didn't take that opportunity to honor her that night as well. Um and I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you is your opinion. You know, everybody talks about, oh, should Chris Benoit be in the Hall of Fame? And um, I think we all have our opinions on it, and we can definitely get to your opinion on that. Um, but I just still feel like Nancy, it, one of one of the biggest tragedies purely through the lens of professional wrestling, because obviously the tragedies are so much larger than that, but purely through the lens of professional wrestling – I would say a larger tragedy than Chris Benoit's career being blacked out would be the fact that Nancy has not gotten the recognition for being until the, until the dark side of the ring. I don't feel like she's gotten the recognition publicly for her contributions to the business and how good she was at what she did. Nancy was beyond good. Uh, I mean, any W. She, you know, sometimes she would call spots for the guys doing the ring or come up with ideas for them to do in the ring. And like you said, the night of the tragedy when they canceled Raw and Vince gave a speech and they were showing video packages and they would show the little, they would show the photo of Chris, Nancy, 
and Daniel, like in the lower third or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it was almost like, you know, they were talking about like Nancy as she was like a civilian, like she had never right. been a, a part of the business. In a lot of ways, you know, not only was she a victim in, in the tragedy that happened, she was, it was almost like re-victimizing her by not recognizing her mm-hmm. for all her contributions into the, the wrestling business uh, in front of the camera and behind the scenes and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, uh, when this whole thing happened, like, I, when I first got word, there was, I, like, like I said before, there, I, there was like, I was like, there's no way this happened. And like myself, like a lot of people were like speculating, oh, well, you know, maybe it was carbon, carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Maybe they went yeah. to sleep and carbon monoxide poisoning. They didn't wake up and all this stuff. And, uh, when I had work, was working with WWE, when I went back for my uh, short stint in 2005, uh, you know, Chris was on the road with us. And uh, Chris was uh, uh, coming around with his son, David. So when I had heard that, you know, Chris, Nancy, and his son died, I wasn't aware there was, like, another son named Daniel. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking it, it hit me just, I mean, it hit me hard to, you know, knowing at the time it hit me hard that you know chris was dead it hit me hard that you know nancy was dead and then you know the son was dead thinking it was the son i mean I, it hit me hard you know that both sons i mean the, oh, the of one course, of course. Son, yeah it still hit me hard that you know his son passed away but i was thinking oh i mean i thought i was thinking it was david that passed away not knowing that david was you know in canada but um it just hit me and then slowly but surely you know the the details that you know chris had done it and i think everybody was just in a state of disbelief not excusing it just having you know people who knew chris and interacted with chris and like i said my my experience with him was short but he was just a professional he was kind uh when i went to have my match with jbl when smackdown it was a uh, a super show he, you know, Chris came up to me before my match with JBL and kind of gave me a, like a little pep talk, you know, because I had been walking around that day all day looking nervous, you know, looking unsure. You know, Triple H came up to me. Hey, all right. Uh, so Chris Benoit comes up to me. Hey, man, you could do this. You know, give me, you know, put out his hand, you know, give me a high five and all this stuff. And, you know, who am I for, you know, Chris, you know, you know, this great wrestler Chris Benoit to come up and give a pep talk to. So that being said, when I found out, you know, Chris had murdered his family, it was just a state of disbelief to the point where I'm just waiting for another shoe to drop to say, oh, we've, you know, you know, when a tragedy happens, a lot of misinformation comes out, you know, sure. Where I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for somebody to say, oh, sorry, we got this wrong. You know, somebody else did this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, here comes the news, and here comes the magazines, here comes CNN, here comes every major newspaper and publication to talk about this. And after a while, it just, it just became it became numbing. So, so you know, and I and and the, the thing about this, you know, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode, I can appreciate it. it's it's 13 years after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, 12 or 13 years after the fact, to where. You know, you kind of look at the, the tragedy with fresh eyes, and you know, I think they did a, a, a job, a, a good job telling the story. And I 
appreciate the fact that they let, you know, Chavo have a word. Mm-hmm. They let Nancy's sister have a word. And they let David have a word in this whole thing. Uh, I had reconnected after so many years. I had reconnected with David Benoit at uh, the next StarCast that uh, Conrad ran in Vegas. And right. as, as soon as David walked in the room, I recognized him immediately and, how can how uh, first of all how can you not he looks just like his father he uh, he's he's a carbon copy of yeah. chris so i mean and you know i i the, the if i can you know share like a, a funny story like chris would bring david around to the smackdown tvs and like he would always go around and just like mess with like nova who was simon dean at the time and rib him and all that stuff and you know, you see, you know, David Benoit hanging out with, uh, you know, Eddie's kid. Uh, and, you know, they, they're, you know, it's like the meeting of, you know, it's like a family, you know, vacation where the two families are there, you know, Eddie and his wife and kids mm-hmm. were there. And, and Chris was there with David and see the families together and stuff like that. So, and, and that's another thing with the dark side of the ring, you know, they deep, they also go into the, the, the other mitigating factor that, you know, Eddie had passed away. And uh, Eddie and, and, and Chris were thieves. I mean, they were so tight and they were so tight-knit as friends that, you know, the, 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 one, the one calming factor in Chris Benoit's life, Eddie Guerrero, had passed mm-hmm. away. And uh, another thing I'm glad they, they talked on was, you know, Johnny Grunge. Uh, yeah, I am glad that there was there was there wasn't much acknowledgement, but I am glad that there was some acknowledgement of, of that. But they didn't touch on, and I'm sorry, I'm probably just stepping on your toes here. But they, uh, no worries. But Johnny Grunge passing away. No worries, because I mean, uh, yeah, when Eddie passed away, that hit Chris as hit him so hard as they illustrate in Dark Side of the Ring, but. In the meantime, uh, Johnny Grunge, who Chris and Nancy both knew from ECW, they both knew him from WCW. It was like another calming factor in the in in the in you know if Chris and Nancy were having a disagreement, all Johnny Johnny would come over and be like, "Hey man, you know, Johnny was always that you know calming guy. You know, he was so laid back, you know." I would never really see Johnny Grunge get like angry or blow up. And he'd be like, Oh man, why are these guys arguing? You know, stuff like that to the point where, you know, somebody go, yeah, why are we arguing? You know, he was always like the calming factor. And then Johnny Grunge passes away. And that was, uh, that was uh, the passing of Eddie hit Chris, but also the passing of Johnny, Johnny Grunge really did affect Chris. And that might've been the last, calming back you know the, the the person who would you know pull chris in from like if chris was you know having a bad day or a little bit mm-hmm. grumpy you know johnny grunge eddie and johnny grunge were both there like hey man what's the big what's the big what's the big deal you yeah. know think of it this way and they would you know take chris they would reel chris back in you know mm-hmm. so I, i'm glad dark side of the ring and knowledge you know even if it wasn't you know, as big as you know, big a way as they could have. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, Johnny was definitely a big factor in the the relationship of Chris and Nancy. But I'm I'm glad they acknowledged that he was there, you know, to help you know be the mediary between the media 
scary between uh, Nancy and Chris. And then you also have to factor in, you know, what they talked about, which obviously was something that we've all known for a while, but they really went into a, a good amount of detail with it, is uh, Chris Benoit's brain damage. And, yeah. you know, anybody who's ever had the uh, misfortune of having, of knowing somebody who's who a uh, family member or friend with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, or, you know, you, with something like that, you know, you will watch a person disappear. You'll watch them change. You'll hear them say things that in no scenario prior to their, the issues with their brain beginning, would that person have ever said these words? Would that person have ever thought to say these words. And so, and I am not in any way trying to say, hey, here's the excuse about what Chris Benoit did, but it's something that I've always looked at that. And in a way, if uh, I'll frame it this way to cover all bases to not, cause I really don't want, I mean, this is a topic I don't want to offend anybody with, but to, in a way, if all of this is true and that this was brought on primarily because of the, the severe uh, CTE, one of the people that you do have to kind of feel for is we'll call him, you know, the original Chris Benoit, the Chris Benoit before these head injuries, the Chris Benoit who all of his, his friends say they could never in a million years imagine him doing something like this. You know, you have to kind of feel for, you know, theoretically, I guess you have to kind of feel for that person who became this monster through these head injuries. If, and I'll say again, if that is what led to this and whatnot, but that's something that I've always kind of looked at and said, like, you know, how horrible it is for this, this guy who was in a way a victim himself that then led him to do these horrendous things. And, 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 and to that point, uh, the brain damage in the CTE is no way, shape or form a get out of card, a get out of jail card. Oh, know, of course, absolutely. Right. He did what he did. It was horrible. It was, it was, he was a, it was a monster thing of a, of a thing to do. But it also brings into perspective of we need to take care of ourselves. You know, wrestlers themselves need to, you know, watch what to do and be a little bit more uh, precautious. Which right. WWE is starting to do now, and like, like you said, you know, we you think about the Chris Benoit we knew, you know, anytime somebody, ha- you know, when you get into a professional sport like football, they take a baseline reading, you know, they test you right. out, and if you, they think you're concussed, they, you know, uh, measure you at that current moment versus your baseline test. So that being said, everything we knew about Chris Benoit before this tragedy was the baseline test and then once you know everything happened and all the you know the the thing that annoys me annoyed me the most about everybody's like oh roid rage yeah no that was Uh, just ridiculous that's the uh cheap you know the cheap you know that's lazy journalism oh it had to be steroids it had to be this it had to be that and underneath it all did he do steroids sure have I seen, uh, could he have had a roid rage at some point in his life? Absolutely. But I, and I've been, I've been around people who've had roid rage and no, and nowhere does somebody go on a three day murder spree over roid rage. Right. You know, Ra- just, I mean, the, the key word there is rage. Yeah. There's no, there's oh, no 
prolonged rage over three days of the, you know, this. A roaring rage is somebody, you know, getting cut off in traffic, getting out and, you know, kicking their car or punching a wall or you know, it's like right. a short burst of like, Mah! and yeah. then you're, you're like, you're like, uh, all right, why did I do that? But, well, let me go spackle the wall. I just punched through, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but whatever was going on with Chris with the brain damage, it was a slow dive into madness. And the only thing I could maybe equate it to, you know, like the movie full metal jacket with, you know, private mm. pile, you know, uh, maybe, maybe it's a good excuse. Maybe it's not excuse, good excuse or, Maybe it's a good theory. Maybe it's not a good theory or a comparison. Whatever word I'm trying to find right now. Analogy. But analogy. Thank there we you. Are. That's, why, that's <laughs> what I'm that's here for. I hired, that's what I hired. That's what I hired. The pull out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if you watch the movie Full Metal Jacket, where uh, you know there's that one instance where Private Pile gets jumped and they beat the shit out of him with the bars of soap, and then he goes into the slow path. of of madness to where you know he's, he snaps and he kills you know, the the one guard and he kills himself you know mm-hmm. all this prolonged punishment to the head and the brain and doing the head butts off the top rope and chair shots unpro- unprotected chair shots which in hindsight isn't you know uh, right. isn't a good, good look uh, no and, and you know, I mean back in the nineties you know people are like well you got this hard your your skull's this hard hard surface. You know your brain should be safe, not knowing that your brain's bouncing around in right. its shell like like a BB. You know, yeah. it, they're, they're, I mean, what do you? It's, it, that thing that, that thing moves. You know. Yeah. Well, what do you say to? Because you know, hardcore deathmatch style wrestling, different things like that. You know, it, it's still you have promotions like uh, like GCW. Um, very much in that hardcore mentality. I don't know if I'm, you know, what, what the 2020 vernacular is for it, but, you know, um, and forgetting the, the light bulbs and the barbed wire and all that, and whatever someone's preference is to that, that's a company, um, by no means are they alone, uh, in taking chair shots to the head in 2020. Like, I feel like there are some independent promotions out there that are kind of wearing it like a badge of honor, like, oh, you know, the WWE might not be doing this anymore, but look at us. We're still we're still real wrestling. We're tough and we'll take chair shots to the head. What are where do you stand on that? I I would highly uh and look, I like GCW, I like the guys who run. Yeah, I'm not listen, I'm not burying them at all. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm just prefacing my statement with that. Just no, I like everybody who runs it. I like the guys who work there. Uh, but I would highly advise against like the chair shots and stuff like that, uh, to the head, at least. I mean, you know, if you're going to take a chair shot, maybe feed your back. I mean, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I mean, wrestling in general is not good for your health. The, uh, they, uh, <laughs> you know, if you did a study of like one bump in the ring, taking a bump in the ring, is like a small fender bender. Like if somebody, mm-hmm. you know, pulls up too close and taps your bumper, that's what a bump does to you. Now imagine doing that countless times. Now that being said, you know maybe taking a chair, maybe take a chair shot to the back, leave the head alone. If you want to slice and dice, I'm not going to say don't do it. You know that's you know, that's your prerogative. You know if, that, if that's your formal art, I'm not going to 
you know, sit here and, you know, right. you know, get all, uh, you know, preacher. I'm not going to preach to you. you know, look, hey, I, I've been there. I've been, you know, been there, done that, been around it. It would be hypocritical of me to say, don't do it. But if I could just say, please, please, please protect your head at all costs. Now, uh, uh, there's nothing macho about taking an unprotected chair shot. And there's nothing macho about putting a hand up to at least try to block it. If anything, it makes it look more realistic that you're trying to, you know, shun the blow. So, oh, yeah. you know, if, I, if I'm an up-and-coming wrestler, please protect your head. You learn, learn from my generation. Learn from this, this Chris Benoit situation. Uh, look at the NFL. Look at all the high rate of suicides in the NFL where yep. guys are, uh, you know, they're killing themselves, but they're protecting their head so they can donate their brains to, you know, Chris Nowitzki and his uh and his uh program. Yeah. So, and you know that's why the NFL's under a lot of fire too. I mean, it's all it, they're they're all different, but they're all the same. It's all contact. It's all protecting your head. Protect your head at all. And and one other thing that I want to say, you know, because um, I've been just talking about this and thinking about you know, what I said earlier about Chris Benoit prior to it. Look, there are plenty of times, unfortunately, that we've seen things in the news where you see somebody who has never had a head injury, who's done something horrific like this, and you have neighbors and families and friends saying, oh, I never in a million years could have thought it was him. So I want to put out there that I don't want to discount the fact that this man, aside from head injuries, could have done this. I mean, that is very much there. It's it's hard to, I, I had never in my life met him, so I'm not going to presume to have known him or I'm only going by the things that I've heard like every other wrestling fan out there. Um, but I just wanted to make that clear that I wasn't, you know, because there are people who were very seriously affected by this who who could be listening to this podcast. And I just want to make that clear that, you know, we don't know what happened and it's a tragedy. And the nice thing about Dark Side of the Ring was for us as, as fans and even for the people, uh, like you said, you know, we won't get into it because you should check it out. But there was, you know, the little bow at the end there. Um, the cathartic nature of this for some people who were involved. And, you know, I, I just it was a tragedy that, you know, unfortunately we're never really going to have a true answer to but Meany, i did want to ask you you know we talked about david his son who who uh was not uh the victim there uh was a victim in, in some other ways because of this and david has expressed interest in uh very recently about being involved being a professional wrestler he had an interview where he talked about uh wanting to have tights just like his dad and have that same kind of look and everything. Um, where do you think, I mean, obviously he's not, he, he should not be held responsible, uh, in absolutely any way, shape or form for something that, that his, his father did. Um, where do you land on this with, with him wanting to pursue a career in wrestling? What should he do? How should he do this? Is, is it just something where you just say, Hey, just, don't like, I mean this, you know, where do you land on this? I, 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 and it's, it's a good point to point out that, you know, David Benoit has also been victimized in this, you know, just, you know, just by having to live with this, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, if he, if he wants to get into pro wrestling, I think he absolutely should pursue it. You know, um, 
Uh, and it's a, to the point where like uh, Bubba Ray Dudley has offered to, to on his, his show Busted Open, offered to train you know, David Benoit free of charge. Hey, you want to train? Come to my wrestling school. I'll train you, which is awesome. Uh, I think enough time has passed. You know, it's 13 years. Uh, I can understand where the WWE might be on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it would be perfect for a situation like AEW if they want to give him the opportunity to pursue his dream. Uh, the sins of the father shouldn't be passed along to the son. You right. know what I'm saying? If he, if he loves wrestling, if it's his passion, if he really wants to do it, I think he should pursue it. Uh, should he keep his name? That's for not for me to say. You know? And does it matter? But does it matter? You know, because I'm thinking about a guy yeah. like like Joe Hennig, right? Who's yeah. Curtis Axel. Um, All right. And a lot of people have looked at it and said, why did originally it's Michael McGillicuddy was his name. I guess there's a connection to Beulah somewhere in there. But, no, um, no, no. Uh, yeah, well, right. no I, to be honest, it was, it, I think it was, it was an, a, a throwback to his mom. I think that was his mom's maiden name or something. I think like that's that, what though. they had said. I didn't know if that was actually true or not. But, but no, but in the, in, the, in the world of wrestling, who knows? <laughs> right. And uh, so a lot of people, um, a lot of people, myself included, when that first happened, were like, this is Joe Hennig. Like, what are you doing? Like, make it – this is, you know, this right. is Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect's son, Larry the Axe Hennig. Like, there's a lineage. Why are you doing that? And still to this day, I kind of wonder, like, why, like, Curtis Axel, other than just them liking to have the rights to the name and character, and I get that. Um, but my point on that is that everybody knows who – who Curtis Axel is. Everybody knew who Michael McGillicuddy was prior to them acknowledging the connection to his dad. Um, so David Benoit to go by any other name to go take his mom's maiden name, right? To, by, to go by any other name, you still, you know who he is. So why not just use the name? I mean, it's his name. It's not, you know, it, it's, he's not the only person. Chris Benoit is not the only person in the history of the world to have the last name Benoit in professional wrestling. He kind of is, but you know, I, it's, it's an interesting thing because we all know so much, like he can debut under any name and we know who he is. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a, it's a shame because he's never gotten a fair shake. Um, it's tough. I mean, you, you see him walk into a room and if you don't know him personally, but you recognize him, what's the first thing you're going to think of? You're going to think of this tragedy and what a horrible thing. Like he shouldn't have to deal with that. You know, I, I, I think we're, and, and, and to a point you can, if we could think about this and we can analyze it and maybe sometimes over analyze it. Sure. But I think in some way, shape or form, if he was to go and train and become a wrestler, and if they thought he was uh, experienced enough to go on TV, and I think if he stepped in front of the crowd, I would think I could see a crowd accepting him. Yes. You know, uh, I, I especially knowing that you know this was no fault of his, and to know that he's a victim in all this, I I can, I, I I honestly, God to honest truth could tell you i bet if you walked out in front of an aew crowd they would give him a standing ovation just because not because of who his father was and because his father was a great wrestler but he's a kid who went through hell 
and he's a kid who's been victimized and punished for something he had no hand in. And yeah. this is just a kid pursuing his dream of and love of being a professional wrestler. I could totally see that happening. But now is the time where he needs to decide, am I going to be a professional wrestler and go through with the training that, you know, Bubba has offered to him. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to that point where we could see this, you know, come to pass. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add? I want about... to see... Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, 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 no. Just this, the same way I want to see, I want to see Nancy, uh, Nancy get her due. Uh, Nancy belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame. She deserves to be in 100%. every professional wrestling hall. Uh, she deserves to be in every professional wrestling hall of fame. And I understand they don't want to drink, dig us tragedy, but I guarantee if, you know, in, in the next years or so, if they just ran a footage where they show the hall of fame, uh, marquee and stuff like that and it's put the word across the screen just have to say nancy not nancy benoit or, or not, woman or, uh, yeah not nancy benoit not nancy sullivan just nancy and to your point just put woman and run yeah. her wrestling her uh her wrestling uh footage uh, from wcw from ecw yeah uh, from florida and have her sister put her in and yeah. and let let Nancy get her day in the sun, get her spotlight, get the uh, the, the dude she's deserved because she she deserves to have her name celebrated for the, the things she's done. I agree a hundred percent. Anything else on Dark Side of the Ring you want to talk about? Uh, Dark Side of the Ring has been doing a bang up job. Uh, I mean he's you know, first two subjects been amazing. Uh, I believe the next one might be tough enough. Uh, uh, brawl for all. Brawl for all. Yeah. My bad. Tough enough. Though, <laughs> I'm sure they could do something <laughs> tough enough. I'm sure. Uh, they I, I swear to God, I wish I wish they did tough enough when I was at Al School in Lima, but <laughs> that'd be that that'd be more for HBO than uh, MTV. Uh, <laughs> but uh, upcoming subjects, uh, they. They bookended it with uh, two subjects that are yeah. uh, interesting between Benoit and then they're ending uh, the series with the tragedy of Owen Hart, which uh, when that airs, uh, I want to dive into that because I was there for that and had a experience with that and a, a personal experience with that as well. Yeah. But uh, we, and we will save that for when the time comes. Um, and Owen Hart was one of my favorites of all time. I actually got to meet him uh, shortly before this happened. And, and, uh, and I have a, a, just a fun memory of that, of meeting him. And, uh, yeah, but I, I, I would want to hear about that, but I'd also want to hear so many other stories about him and anything that you'd be able to share. And, and we will, and that's something I think we will, will absolutely dedicate a full episode to him because he's deserving of that. Um, one that I'm interested in is, uh, the story of Dino Bravo. Um, yeah. Because that's something that just does not get talked about. And I, re I remember reading about it um, in one of the magazines back in, I want to say it was like 93 or something, somewhere around that. I remember reading it in the magazines and 
um, and was just like shocked by it. And then over the years, you'd hear like, you know, kind of hear a little more about what happened. And I like, think it went from like, oh, yeah, he was found dead to, oh, yeah, he was shot to then you hear it's like, oh, yeah, he was shot seven times in the head and eight times in the body or whatever it was. And so I'm very curious about uh, the story behind that. But any uh, any other one that you're most looking forward to? And again, with the uh, Dino Bravo story, just like the Benoit story, the uh, the the well of information's kind of been poisoned by you know conspiracy theory and sure. everything else. So I'm definitely I'm definitely interested in the Dino Bravo. I'm definitely inter- interested in the Owen Hart one, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm interested in the whole series as a whole. I'll hopefully, to do a series, uh, a third series, because there's still more wrestling oh, yeah. to be talked about. A shout out to you know Evan and Jason. They've done a phenomenal job on the show and. Uh, I, it might sound crazy, but I, I hope they get some kind of recognition, you know, for documentary mm-hmm. series because oh, it's been should. the highest rated show. It's the highest rated show on Vice, and uh, and, and I mean, there. I mean, I know the the subject of pro wrestling in Hollywood is you know, taboo and mm-hmm. frowned. Whereas we're above, you know, circus clowns or whatever. <laughs> step below, but uh, you know. I would love to see uh, them recognized in some way for the work they're doing on this, on a series. Yeah, no, they're doing a great job. Um, I want to quickly shift gears to uh, plug our merch. If you're up for that, because oh. you know, I, I'm, I don't know how exactly to like, there was no real uh, good segue into, Hey, let's talk about a tragedy and uh, Oh, Hey, you want to buy a shirt? But uh, no, one thing yeah. that I do want to say is, um, we really do appreciate again how much everyone, the support and the feedback that we've gotten um, with this with this podcast. This is only episode two. I'm just having a blast getting. I feel like I've got a front row to hear these stories because I get to hear them before anybody else does, and and it's just so cool to be able to hear your opinions and and uh, perspective on these. Uh, if you are a fan of Mind of the Meanie and you'd like to show the world how much you love Mind of the Meanie, well, you can go to mindofthemeanie.com and that will directly link you to our Pro Wrestling Tees page, prowrestlingtees.com slash mindofthemeanie, but we made it even easier. Mindofthemeanie.com sends you right there. Uh, we've got some great new shirts uh, on there. I guess every, every single shirt on there is new. We've got the Mind of the Meanie logo tee. We have, uh, based off of something Meanie said last week, we have the Don't Fact Check Me, which I, I really like. And, <laughs> and we've got another one coming up soon um, where we're got, where you, if you agree with the Blue Meanie, then you're going to get to tell the world how much you hate mustaches. So keep an eye out. I don't know if that'll be up there by the time this airs, but uh, that should be up there soon. Um, hey, how about Meanie Mania? Uh, Meanie Mini is running wild, baby. Uh, hopefully running wild on the podcast world. Uh, again, thanks to everybody listening. We looked at the numbers for the, the, the first podcast and we're totally blown away. Uh, it, it, and, it, and if I may point out, mine and the Meanie uh, definitely out, outdrew WrestleMania this year. Oh, so uh, Something we're very yeah. proud of. Yeah, but that's, I, I mean, we're not going to give you exact numbers, but I, but I can confirm that. Yeah, we absolutely did outdraw WrestleMania. Um, Hey, but you know, so some people might be confused and think that if you go to prowrestlingtees.com slash mind of the meanie, that you're going to be getting, that's all the blue meanie shirts. No, that's shirts dedicated to 
funny things that we've come up with uh, together, myself and Meanie, phrases that were said on the show, uh, things promoting the show Mind of the Meanie. But if you're looking for some BWO merchandise, if you're looking for some strictly Blue Meanie merchandise, well, then you have to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie because you will find any... We talked about the uh, the cylinder of... Uh, what was it? Cylinder of Sin? Oh, the Travelodge shirt. Uh, we got the yeah. uh, shirt dedicated to the Travelodge saying, I survived uh, the Cylinder of Sin. Uh, we also have BWO shirts. We have... Uh, the Hal Haney uh, Blue Mini Half Face shirt, where it's half BWO, half Job Squad. Mrs. Mini designed some shirts on there. We uh, we have a sh- shirt specifically co- specifically dedicated to unbooked catering. So there's plenty of times I've I've gone to Raw and not been on the show and sat and had some unbooked catering. Uh, Mrs. Mini also did a, a Hello Kitty inspired Blue Mini shirt called Hello Mini. So if you want to get some uh, shirts that Mrs. Mini designed as well as uh some shirts i've designed and you can't go wrong with a bwo shirt as well so and there are a couple over different to... options we got the barbed wire one on there yeah, oh, the, yeah uh, some... back in the day when uh nwo was you know the nwo hogan came out and had a, a, a nwo shirt with a barbed wire border and i was like you know yeah. that'd be perfect one day to do for a bwo shirt and thanks to the folks at pro s and they allow me to design my own shirts and put up a, a bob wire bwo shirt in blue or white yeah it was really really fun so uh if you are from the philadelphia area there's some real fun shirts in there as well um just about philadelphia um so again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie for all of Meanie's merch. For Mind of the Meanie, you can just go to MindofTheMeanie.com. Uh, for any of you who are just like, hey, I've got all this money lying around and I need to buy shirts that I don't care about, you can go to SoSaysShirnoff.com and you can buy some of my merchandise. Um, I've got a uh, Sarcasm is My Superpower, seems to be our top seller there, uh, and lots of other shirts about my show, SoSaysShirnoff on Fight TV. Um but I'd be remiss if we did not mention Collar and Elbow. Uh, that is the wrestling brand. Um, and of course, you know, you, if you see Meanie uh, not wearing a BWO shirt, chances are it's a Collar and Elbow shirt. But now it can be both a Collar and Elbow and a, a BWO shirt. Uh, go to CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the coupon code Meanie and save 10%. Meanie, tell us a little bit about Collar and Elbow. Uh, Collar and Elbow is the shirt company of my big brother, Al Snow. Uh, and he does, him and his folks over there, uh, Rod, him and Rod over at, you know, Collar and Elbow do a fantastic job. And I've always been a fan of their, uh, Collar and Elbow mirror shirt where it's collar on the top and elbow underneath, like a mirror's reflection. So I was like, man, I would love to see like a blue and white BWO style, uh, Collar and Elbow shirt. And, uh, they did a bang up job with the design. And uh, it just went live this week, so head over, uh, get yourself a Collar and Elbow BWO shirt. They have uh, a shirt dedicated to Pampero Furpo, the, the legendary wrestler from Detroit. Yeah. Uh, they got so many cool, so many cool shirts. They, my, 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 besides the BWO, my other personal favorite is their shirt dedicated to Mid South Wrestling with the old Mid South Wrestling logo. So I'm a big fan of the parody. So uh, if you want to get a really cool parody shirt from Mid South, it's called the Dirty South shirt. So go to uh, collarandelbowbrand.com and get yourself a shirt and get yourself a discount by using the promo code Meanie. So yeah, save yourself for cash. 
Yeah, but no, but again, we thank you and uh, for for helping us out uh, to spread this show. And, and I think uh, some of the merchandise, our idea behind it is, hey, here's a fun way for you to share it and uh, and you'll get a cool shirt out of this. So uh, yeah, that's all of those pro wrestling tees, collar and elbow. Uh, so says off for anybody who wants my stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I think at this point, it might be a good time for us to do a little AMA. We'll ask Meanie anything. Yep, for that. Absolutely. Let's see uh, what the what the fans uh, have in mind. All right. This is from Dominic D'Angelo. Uh, he asks, "Didn't get this in on time for last week. Craziest story you have at McCusters? Hashtag hold my calls." And I'm going to actually piggyback on that because I also somebody had asked a question. Uh, Jeffrey Mitchell had asked a question, dear Meanie, can you tell us the origin story of hold my calls on the podcast? And he actually tweeted out a nice picture of the Meanie at McCuster's 17th and Shunk South Philly hold my calls t-shirt, which is available at prowrestlingtees.com slash blue Meanie. So, yeah, there we go. There's our question. Any fun stories from there? And uh, and where did the hold my calls come from? Well, the uh, I'll go with the uh, the second question first. Uh, the origin of the hold my calls uh, catchphrase. Hello, Jeffrey Mitchell. I know uh, Jeff. Uh, uh, me and Mrs. Meany were taking a trip up to Connecticut, where she's from, uh, and we had one morning we went out for breakfast, and we went to a local diner. And it just happened to be, well, actually, it's the anniversary coming up. Uh, it was April Fool's Day. So uh, just back, in the day, back in the day, uh, there, used, there was an app I used to use all the time called Foursquare, where you would just check in where you were. So uh, we go to this diner, and I check in, and uh, me and Miss, Mrs. Meany are having uh, uh, breakfast, and out of nowhere... A waitress comes over, and it's just like a scene out of the movies where they bring you a phone on a tray. and But this is like a cordless phone on a tray. And the woman goes, excuse me, are you are you Blue Meanie, Brian? Blue Meanie? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like a little... I'm a little hesitant because I know it's April Fool's Day. I'm like, what is up? I pick up the phone. I go... Oh, uh, hello. And on the other line, there's a little kid. He goes, uh, hi, Blue Meanie. I'm like, yeah. I just want you to know, uh, I, I really like to watch you wrestle. I'm a really big fan. I go, oh, well, thanks, buddy. Uh, I'm having breakfast right now. Uh, uh, but, uh, thanks for being a fan. And all right, thank you, Blue Meanie. I handed the phone back. And like the whole time I was waiting for somebody to, you know, you know, somebody, you know, like Al Snow or Roadkill or somebody to, to call up and rip me. Hey, clown, you know, or say something to me on, uh, on the phone. So from that point out, I learned the trick is to when you're going to sign into someplace on social media, sign in when you're leaving. Now, uh, uh, that would be not really ideal to do when you're checking in McCuskers because I'm usually there till they say, Meanie, you got to go. Uh, and so every time I check into McCuskers, I, uh, take a photo of whatever I'm drinking at time. Hash, you know, I, I should do the hashtag, but I just go hold my calls, which is a reference to 
hey, man, I just checked in at my favorite spot. Uh, don't bother calling. I'm not picking up. So <laughs> that's where the origins of uh, holding my calls came from. Uh, and the other question, uh, any crazy stories of McCuskers? Uh, McCus- I usually go to McCuskers on the night, like on a night where I know Mallow McCuskers is a, is a great bar in South Philly at 17th and Chunk. Uh, family run, family owned. Uh, it's John McCusker and his two sons, you know, Ryan and Dougie. And I know when I go in there, there's going to be no drama. There's not going to be anything crazy. But if I was going to say anything crazy that happened to McCuskers would be the times I've been there for, you know, the Phillies World Series run. And uh, the night, you know, when the Eagles were going on their run to go to the Super Bowl. Because if anybody knows South Philly, uh, they know that, like, when something really good happens in sports, you know, like uh, winning a championship and stuff like that, everybody just goes to Broad Street. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the we're McCusker's like seven blocks from Broad Street. So we know that, you know, we'll celebrate McCusker's and head down to Broad Street. And then after we've done celebrating Broad Street, we go back to McCusker's. <laughs> so uh, anytime it's been like a crazy scene in McCusker's, it's always been around a sporting event or, or we'll go there for like, say, the Oscars and we'll get drunk and do like a mystery science theater 3000 type deal when we're <laughs> watching the, we, we do a running commentary of what's going on on the screen. So the customers is really just a real chill place to go and hang out. Not really crazy, but always a lot of fun, but definitely not a place to call the blue meanie. If you just want to chat on the phone. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have, here, we'll take one more here. Um, this is from at, the Jammin' Jeff, he says, hashtag Ask Meanie, always been a big fan of you and Stevie and the parodies you guys used to do. What was your favorite parody you guys did? Uh, that's like trying to pick my favorite child if I was a parent. Uh, uh, favorite pa- parody? Uh, I mean, the ultimate has got to be the BWO because over 20 years and we're still talking about it. And, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, besides the BWO, if I had to take BWO out of the equation, I'd probably have to say Kiss. Uh, the night that myself, Stevie Richards, Supernova, and Donnie Allen, uh, debuted as Kiss at DCW. Well, we, we did Kiss at the, uh, ECW Arena, but we debuted it the night before at Lulu Temple in Plymouth Meeting, mm-hmm. which, uh, was kind of funny because we're going to paint up as Kiss. I was like, you know what? I'll just go out, get some clown paint. We'll paint ourselves up. Me having no experience whatsoever with clown paint and the fact that it was super hot in the building. We're, painting our, <laughs> we're trying to paint our faces, but we're sweating. And the black and white paint was like bleeding together and became this gray, this glob or whatever of paint on our face, grease paint. So we, we cleaned our faces off. We painted our faces and we went and hid in at a walk-in freezer there at Lulu Temple. I guess for whenever, you know, they had events and stuff like that and they needed to, you know, to have a big walk-in freezer. We we stood in the walk-in freezer until somebody went and got us. Said, <laughs> okay, your mu- your music's playing. Came and got us. Our music's playing. We'd go to the ring and do it. So the next night, I guess whoever went to the Plymouth meeting show had an inkling that we're going to do it, the, you know, the next night. And the next night, I definitely smartened up. And uh, Nova came up with the great idea that we do, instead of using clown paint, we uh, we paint our face. We normally paint our faces with acrylic paint, 
you know, just like the Road Warriors, just like Sting, the Ultimate mm-hmm. Warrior. It's always acrylic paint. So I've got a tube of white acrylic painted our faces up, and that worked way better the second night. And the cool thing about doing kisses, uh, you know, Gene Simmons always spit the blood. He spit fire, and there's no way I'm spitting fire. And uh, <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to really spit the blood that like he spit it because I didn't want to get it all over the ring. So uh, I'm a huge fan of the Great Muda. So I, I took this as an opportunity to pay homage to not only Gene Simmons but Great Muda, and I, I did like the red food coloring. I nice. did the Muda mist up up towards the uh, the ceiling of the. Uh, East of your arena, and uh, that's probably one of my favorite uh, moments because you know, not only that, like a moment like that became uh, util- uh, talked about in Chris Jericho's book. It got mm-hmm. talked about, uh, you know, Shane Douglas still talks about because he's a huge <laughs> Kiss fan. Probably keeps talking about because he's a huge, huge Kiss fan and stuff like that. So the the, the Kiss fans who are in the locker room and in the wrestling business. Often, oh, and even uh, what's his name, uh, Dale Torborg, who is the <laughs> demon, in, the, the demon in WCW. Yeah, he, he hit me up, and he was like, "Well, you know, I'm doing the demon thing about, you know, I'm no blue meanie in ECW, but uh, <laughs> so I, I got I got a lot of a lot of fun uh, mileage out of the uh, you know Gene Simmons uh, blue meanie character when we did Kiss, and, and, uh, uh, and a footnote to that. And just like Kiss, we replaced the drummer when we did the Kiss parody in New York, and we got uh, uh, Pablo Marquez, aka uh, Ubas. Johnny Allen couldn't make the show, so we painted up Ubas as Peter Chris, and he had no idea what we were. And he's like, "Baby, what a what, who's Peter Chris? What, who's Peter Chris? Why are you painting me up, baby? Uh, what, what, what am I going to do? Just go out there and act like you're playing the drum. So just like Kiss, we uh, we, we replaced uh, drummers and we were, we painted up like Peter Chris, just like uh, Kiss did. So that's awesome. And the, now everybody knows the story behind the uh, famous phrase "out of the freezer and into the ring." So pretty much, you know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, that's great. That's yeah, that was definitely a good one. You had so many. Um, I know last week we talked about blue dust, but yeah, so many parodies. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of cool to hear which ones are your favorite, but yeah, I mean, obviously I think the BWO has got that, you know what though? The BWO, I don't even, that became so much more than a parody, you know, yeah. I mean, that became its own, its own entity. So, uh, but yeah, but no, Hey, so thank you guys for what's up uh, to the point where, uh, people still wear the BWO shirt on pay-per-views. Uh, you'll yeah. still see a BWO shirt at Raw. Uh, and to, to, to have a point of reference, there were so many NWO copycat gimmicks. Like, mm-hmm. they came in the wave of the NWO. And, like, we did a, a, the parody out of respect and all that stuff. And we were the first ones to do it. And uh, when I, you know, eventually ran into the guys from the NWO, they were more than gracious about us being the BWO mm-hmm. and stuff. Hey, man, you know, you know, Scott Hall told me, you know, since I was Scott Hall in the BWO, I was the blue guy. He would go to Kevin Nash and be like, well, hey, since, you know, he's the blue guy and he leads the BWO, I should be the leader of the NWO. <laughs> like so, you know, so many cool things came out of the BWO. So many cool things came out of the Kiss thing. And now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm forever, you know, humbled and grateful by it. 
And so many uh, cool things came out of this episode too. This was this was a lot of fun for me to get to hear your stories. You know, this is this is kind of what we talked about last week. How we never really know exactly what where the episode's going to bring us. We knew we wanted to talk about Dark Side of the Ring, but man, so many great stories uh, that I was just so happy to to be able to hear. And I I hope all of you enjoyed it as well. Uh, that that's really that's that about does it for us here. Meanie, do you have any final thoughts for our fans who we still have not named, although we have had some suggestions? Uh, if, if, real quick, if I can read those out, there was uh, uh, Evelina, <laughs> Evel, uh, Evelina suggested uh, Meaniites, as in like like men, like Mennonites, I guess. Um, and Jeffrey Mitchell, who we mentioned, uh, he had uh, the Minions, like Meanie's Minions. Uh, or, ah. or BWO, which I felt like, I think that's just his way of trying to get himself into the BWO. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to have Chicaner. to keep. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to keep thinking about it. And if you have any idea of what you'd like us to call you, send that <laughs> in. Yeah, we definitely want to be, uh, you know, interactive with the fans. Uh, I know we talked a lot about, you know, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which I was more than happy to do. Uh, share some personal experiences with you know the subjects of new jack and benoit nancy and daniel and david uh i'm, I'm if you're still here i <laughs> thank you uh i know i uh, when i tell a story or an experience from my life i i'm sure i could go you know take you i take the scenic route as i like to say uh but eventually i get to the point and i hopefully uh you enjoy my way of telling a story and sharing my experiences and uh uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, this is all still new. We're still finding our footing. I got some very good feedback from a lot of friends who are in the industry and, uh, they, they said, you know, some good things and they also gave some, uh, you know, uh, valuable advice. So, uh, we're going to take it under advisement and, uh, you know, it's just been, it's just been a great experience to come on here. And uh, in a time like this where everybody, Everybody's a little bit scared uh, with everything that's going on in the world, all the craziness. Like I said, we're live, we're currently living in a Ken Burns documentary. That I love that. Produced, you know. <laughs> I saw when you when you tweeted that out, that that just that cracked me up. And then I stopped for a second. I was like, oh, it's not it's not even necessarily that funny. It's kind of terrifying. But yes, it's uh it's very true. It's just like, you know, I, I'm so used to seeing those Ken Burns documentaries and that somebody has the long, lovelorn letter, Dear Eileen. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 in years from now, uh, hopefully when we come, all come through on the other end of this craziness and uh, look back and see, I mean, there's going to be stories and documentaries and everything written about this era. Oh, sure. uh, and, and if we could do anything with this podcast is hopefully take your mind off things for a little bit. Uh, we know there's plenty of podcasts out there to listen to, and uh, we appreciate that you chose us. And just by the numbers alone and us outdrawing WrestleMania, I thank you <laughs> for, uh, for, for listening. So I say that tongue in cheek. I say that tongue in cheek. But uh, no, seriously, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you at episode three.
Yeah, and make sure to follow us on social media at Mind of the Meanie. And while you're at it, follow us as individuals as well. Meanie can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Meanie, BWO. I'm at Sosa Chernoff on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget to visit mindofthemeanie.com for all our great new shirts and, of course, Pro Wrestling Tees slash Blue Meanie and Collar and Elbow Brand.com promo code Meanie. For the Blue Meanie, I am Josh Chernoff. Join us again next Monday for another trip into the mind of the Meanie. In America, it's estimated that 4% of people in prison are actually innocent. When I saw them for the very first time, like I knew who my jury was going to be doing trial. To be honest, I knew I lost then. In 2002, the state of Georgia found Kerry guilty for his alleged involvement in a vicious rape. Only a small percentage of those people had their convictions overturned. You know, as one great justice said uh, many years ago, we don't find our witnesses from church pews. What series of events led to Carrie's wrongful conviction? Could this happen to anyone? What finally convinced the courts to overturn his conviction? From Zapier, in partnership with the Georgia Innocence Project, this is The 4%. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts or visit zapier.com forward slash resources forward slash podcasts to learn more.